Coleman, should we be embarrassed of our studio yes. in advance of Sean's appearance? You should have just stopped that phrase of should we be embarrassed. <laughs> I thought you were putting a period there, which oh, is why I jumped on it. I see. Um, but there was actually a qualifier involved. So I'm going to pretend that I didn't say anything about the period because, no, we shouldn't be embarrassed. We're amazing. And with your qualifier, yes, we should be embarrassed because it's uh, about – 92, which is better because mm-hmm. it's three degrees less than when Rob was in here. So I feel like we're going in the right direction. It's a little less moist. You know, it's less damp in our studio. Why Why is Sean coming here again? You didn't tell him that it's two guys sweating inside of a closed-off room that has no ventilation? Like, I did warn him. And he's like... He couldn't be deterred. Tell me more? I think because he works in a, in a shop, you know? He's used to yeah, being hot least, and sweating yeah, all day, no, so this that, is no big deal. No, no, because if he's in a shop, he probably has a giant swamp cooler or something like that, and instead, we just have swamp ass. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Because true. there is we no... There's ass. nothing cooler in this room. <laughs> there is nothing cooler. I mean, Well, I, I can't stop him because he's driving down. He's on the way now. Then that's it. There's that's just, it. There's no... He's going to come in here... Unless we just didn't answer the door and he just had to go home. Should we do the parking lot uh, interview and we just stand no, outside? that's lame. No. We let him in. All yeah, right. we let him in. So we're talking about Sean Ramage, who is one of our earliest listeners. Yes, he is. So I was, I had him on the phone. We were talking about some business. And I said, hey, we'd love to have you on the show. And he goes, I'm down. I go, have you ever heard it? He goes, what do you mean, have I ever heard it? I've been listening since episode one. And I said... What? How did you not know that? He said, I he didn't sent us know. emails. He inter, you know, you know I don't pay attention. I, I mean, don't pay attention. I, so that was all my shtick. I do know these things. <laughs> yeah. So he's coming down. He owns Empire Fabrication. Now they are working on a bunch of really, really cool builds. He's self-made. He's in Negative Camber, one of the coolest clubs on the planet. And one of the builds that I want to talk about is, I think, owned by one of our. Other listeners, oh. a Nissan Hardbody. Is this one that we talked about in a previous episode? Yes, that is, yes. Oh. See, I didn't realize that it was all that kind was of interwoven. Empire? Yeah, okay. it's an empire. Exactly. Very cool. So he's coming in, and we also will have on the phone Corey Willis. Now, Corey owns PPEI, and of course, I got to go to my phone to remember what that means. Nope, you're an expert. It is Power Performance Enterprises, Inc. And let me tell you what city they're in. Lake Charles, Louisiana. Does that ring any bells? Have uh, you heard that on the news lately? Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, our friend Corey had a bad week, probably one of the worst weeks anyone's going to have. Life pummeled him and then kicked him while he was down and then covered him in water, literally. They waterboarded him? No, I, I'm, Mother Nature. <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy has had the worst week on record. So first and- he was called a criminal, and then Mother Nature... Just ripped off the lid, uh, the ripped off the roof yeah. of his building like a sardine His can. brand new building. Yeah. And they just moved and they had a beautiful building and destroyed. And I will say the thing that is interesting, two things to stand out to me. One is on his social, the dude is so upbeat, so positive. Uh, we immediately wanted to reach out and get him this week if we could talk to him because we want to talk to him about the EPA news, right? And then this happened. I'm like, I don't think he's going to want to come on. And then he's like... Yeah, let's do it. So this I is think he super wants to raw. Spread, he wants to spread his message. A yeah. positivity, you know, positivity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in a he. He could be. Most business owners might sink to a very dark place if, I if mean, they were like, going he, through stuff like this. He's been paying his own employees out of his pocket during COVID to keep them employed, and now his business is destroyed both by the government and by Mother Nature. I mean, the, I don't know how many. One of those whammies is bad enough for the average Joe, and and for Corey to go through both super sucks right now. So I'm excited to talk to him. 
Uh, I'm just hoping our message is uplifting to him. Sounds no, like he we're, needs a, uh, we're he doubters. Needs a group hug. Well, then he shouldn't call. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll call him anyway. Um, all right, but before we do that, we have to thank Nissan. All right, we're going to give you some uplifting news, and that's that Nissan still offers a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Wait, what? On they the Titan? do? Yeah, on the Titan and Titan When are they going to come to their senses? Uh, they're not, because uh, they're an awesome company who makes a reliable truck, and they're going to back it up with a uh, great warranty. But what if you go out and you want to buy a Titan, and you're like, I need a Fender audio system? Check that box off. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what about zero-gravity seats? I need zero-gravity seats! Uh, you can check, check that box off as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Hold on a second. I know they don't have Utilitrack in the bed. I need to have Utilitrack or I'm not buying that truck. Yeah. Check along with the uh, standard spray and bed liner. Wait, what? They I have everything I need? I mean, I think so, yeah. Hold on. I know they don't have an Endurance V8 engine. Uh, got that too. How long are we going to do this shtick? Uh, <laughs> just until you mention the nine-speed automatic transmission. Oh, I totally forgot the nine-speed. Yes. How about the uh, laminated uh, windshield and side glass? And that too. Uh, wait. How about the super we, quiet interior? To, we never talked about oh, the laminated. To, well, yeah, I'm trying to add some new color to this. Oh, I like that. How about the uh, factory integrated gooseneck uh, hitch in the back of the XD? That's a good call for towing. Uh, how about the Bilstein shocks on the Pro 4X? How about that awesome little dial on the dash? Where you can aim your headlights down if you have a big load in the back. I thought those were lasers. <laughs> <laughs> Nissans with lasers. Anyway, well, if you want to uh, check out Nissan and their awesome line of uh, midsize, half ton, half ton plus trucks and vans, head over to NissanUSA.com or your local Nissan dealer. Check out the Frontier, the Titan, the Titan XD, and the NV line of commercial vans. You know what I did today? You called Greg at Decked and nope. said, when are you coming on our show? Uh, no, I should have. I didn't do that. I shot a time lapse of an installation of a deck system in the back of a 2019 Ford F-250. Is your time lapse actually two days long? No, the time lapse is like, uh, it's about three and a half, four minutes. That's pretty good. I figured that your time lapse would have been a couple of days long because it took you six hours to uh, install it. Dude, it is so easy. Even for you? Did How you, dare you? Did you have help? What's wrong with was you? Was it you by yourself? I am mechanically You're, inclined. You are not answering the question. It was not me by myself. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. And you had, had that guy operate. reading the instructions. No, no. We read the instructions together. The instructions are basic. I mean, you have to be like, you got to have like beer goggles on or something crazy to, yep. to not be able to assemble a deck system. It's so easy. Now, did you get all the shims right? Oh, yeah, that's easy. And when you pulled out the drawer for the first time, was it as buttery smooth as always? Absolutely. Slid just... All right, so after you got it installed, mm -hmm. and you pulled out those drawers for the very first time right. to give them a test, and light shone toward oh. the heavens out of there. Yeah? What did you put in there? What was the very first thing that you put in those deck drawers? That was kind of boring. I put tie-downs. Oh. Yeah. I wish I had a better story. I just, yeah, that, I mean, I wish you would have made something up, because that just- Yeah, uh, I mean, I, yeah, sorry. All right. It was useful. That's why we did it. We wanted it, because we had tie-downs and- I got it. Of, Hold yeah, on, I got it. Okay, what all should right. I have said? Nope, I got it. Okay. For those of you who have all sorts of tie-downs running loose and running rampant in your bed, <laughs> head over to deck.com or at USA and check out the deck system where you can corral all those lowly, rambunctious tie-downs. In a lockable, waterproof drawer system. Yeah, you got to stop those things from scurrying around. They're just uh, troublesome. Except they make more. Like tribbles? <laughs> <laughs> the Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. 
Let's uh, plug it in, and we've got to call Mr. Corey Willis of PPEI. I don't know if I want to call him. Wait, why? Just because he's had a bad week, and I just feel, I don't like, I don't, what do we say? There's nothing that we can say. To bring him up? To, uh, well, that's going to make anything better. In fact, I, okay, if the EPA dealings in court were bad enough, mm-hmm. and then the hurricane hit, and everything comes in threes... Does that mean our podcast? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. There's no way. No, no. Let's just keep it chipper and do our best. You got to here. plug that into the bottom of your phone and, oh, you got it? Okay, let's dial and smile. Wait, 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 before you call. Nope, it's dialing. Oh, it's dialing. What is this intro? Mr. Corey Willis? Hey, guys. What's going on, dude? Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. Heck yeah, glad to be back. <laughs> All right, uh, wait, hold on. We were debating whether or not that's true because you've had a really crappy week, and then you had a crappier, you know, week after that. And if it comes in threes, we were thinking the podcast is your third bad luck thing for the week. Is that true? <laughs> Man, you know what? If, if that's if I was considering it bad luck, uh, I, I think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Honestly, I still got a house. And, See, you know, we're, we're we're out here getting people helped, and I'm actually seeing faith in humanity and. Things you don't see on the media, I'm definitely seeing. First we were day. just talking That's about important. how crazy your social was in terms of inspiration and upbeat. So we'll get to that, but we got to play you a quick intro. So hold on a sec. Pull up a stool and share. Pull up a stool and share a story. Pull up a stool and share. How about you pull up a stool and share with us? Corey Willis, PPEI, Power Performance Enterprises, Inc. Why the freaking long name? What? How did that come about, Corey? <laughs> like, it, it, PPEI is so easy. But you just made up a bunch of words and slapped them together. Ain't that crazy? Yeah, it was It was actually just supposed to be a, a, like accessory, accessory slash uh, company I used for the trailers and stuff. I used to haul my fun jump and pounce house equipment and stuff like that, like a separate entity. So... It was never really meant to be this this big uh, big tuning company name. So thankfully, it could be abbreviated to something simpler because that one sucks. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> Kabahatak would have been horrible, and that would have been uh, Corey's Bounce House and Trailer Company. So, <laughs> so um, PPEI way way better actually. A lot easier, yeah, a lot easier to say. Is it much much easier? It's crazy to think that Corey got a start. You know, he's one of the most famous tuners in the land. And, oh, for sure. And, and it's funny, he started with bounce houses. It's just that doesn't happen. Like, that's not a timeline that anybody else can share with you. <laughs> so, Corey, <laughs> that's you, funny. You, you live and, and work in Lake Charles, Louisiana. So let's get some of this dirty stuff out of the way first. What does it look like down there right now? What's the story? We had a hurricane come through and literally Mother Nature ripped the roof off your building. Your new building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It uh, it, it pretty well took our new building and and all the CNC machines and everything, and it uh, it had its way with them for sure. Laid them down. Wait, wait. CNC machines weigh a ton. Are you seeing? You're saying that it turned them over? Uh, no. Uh, it actually just more so just like rain and stuff like that that got in them because it, it ripped the roof off, and so when it took and ripped the roof off of it, it uh, 
I mean, they just exposed it all to the elements. And y'all, y'all got to excuse me a little bit too, because I'm in my truck. Because uh, we're we're doing all kind of stuff around here. Yeah, so no worries, man. It'll, 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 uh, yeah, and and we're we're running all kinds of stuff and, and rescue missions and everything out of my shop right now. We've pretty well taken all of the BPI team and staff and facility and uh, the land we got around there and just tried to make it to where we can help people. So I'm getting calls in and out and stuff like that of of you name it, everything. People needing stuff all the way to. Uh, <laughs> to rescue someone so it's it's crazy so if i if i have to get off for a short second i will come right back but i'm i'm good right now yeah not a problem so those those cnc machines that uh they got waterlogged those were super old dinosaur machines right you would have those for 50 years i mean they were like your dad's oh yeah, wait yeah, there's actually a big key that you wind up <laughs> yeah. with right yeah oh they, they, maybe they weren't <laughs> no they uh they were definitely brand spanking new hercos that you could eat off of <laughs> one machine never even had anything ran through it besides just calibrating it oh dude <laughs> yeah well, i was but, uh, i was following yeah. your your progress and so you were kind of uh in the beginning said hey hurricane's coming if anybody needs anything you know reach out stay safe and then it was okay hurricane hit i haven't heard about my house i haven't heard about my shop haven't heard anything and then you posted uh, I don't know if it was you or a friend had gone by the shop, the new shop, and the roof was completely blown off, and you shared that. And it was sort of like following this, you know, I mean, almost like a voyeur in a way, going, man, you know, our buddy Corey, and I was texting Lightning going, dude, oh, my God, did you see his shop? Oh, my God, did you see the right? And then you said, guys, hey, we're out here. We're going to feed you. Let's come together as a community. Let's clean things up. I don't even know if my house is standing. And it, you ended up posting the next one was, you got word that your house was standing and everything was there, and then the old shop that had a bunch of stuff in it was okay too. And then you were showing pictures of pallets of water on on the flatbed uh, flat deck trailer, and it's just like I feel like in a way, even though it can't compare, I've been kind of going through this emotional whirlwind with you, as have all your followers on on Instagram. Yeah, it's it's been crazy, man. I, you know, I made a couple of posts about helping people, and then I made this this this. You know, I, I could kind of foresee the way the emotions and everything will work, especially with, you know, all of the emotional craziness of, of COVID-19. This just is just like the worst timing ever, 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 ever for everyone. So uh, it was one of those things where it's like if, if I have a voice, I mean, I don't I'm not I'm not some big popular guy. But if I have more than the average person, then I feel like it's my responsibility to try to be some form of a voice of positivity. So, you know, I made a little video basically saying we're trying to, you know, uh, we're going to try to take care of all the people we can. Let us know if you need anything. And uh, then I started getting blown up and calls and tons of people from uh, a lot of the performance community then that just stepped up. I mean, guys, I don't know. We've we've had we've got people that drove all the way from California that brought in tons of supplies and they say we're going to be here for a week. What do we need to do? It's it's. It's unbelievable. That's man. amazing. I, I, you know, there's good in people, but whenever you see it like this, it's like, God. It's, it's almost it's like uh, the hurricane was cleansing in a sense. It made people forget about all the petty crap going on right now, and and realize that you're stronger together as a community, helping each other out. And it's it's sad that it takes a catastrophe or or some sort of you know horrific event like that to bring people together. But it's I don't know if it's because us humans have such short you know, memories or or what we well we're we're programmed to forget 
pain, you know, as as animals, right? You're you're you remember some of the happy times, but yeah. pain is immediately shunted. But, to but then you go to other pain, right? And divisive pain, and it's like this thing comes through, and you all look at each other and go, "Crap, we're all the same. We got to help each other out. We're all we're all community here." So. I mean, as as horrible as it is, and I've got family in uh, in Louisiana, and so I get the hurricanes, and and I get all that down there. It's it's nice to know that at least a silver lining of of this cloud is that people are coming together and supporting each other. You know, I took in the the week bef- the week of the hurricane, uh, the weekend before, I went out of town and uh, I raced the race on side by sides, and I flew from there. I went to Utah uh, for actually a. Uh, uh, a meeting with uh, the EPA criminal division, which we were expecting to be, you know, really, really awesome and, and come out of there like a rose. And, uh, and I could talk about it too. It, it was, uh, I basically got told that I was a criminal while I was there and that I was pretty well on site to be charged as a felon. And so, you, you know, that was, that was on Tuesday. And so I'm watching the news and the hurricanes coming and everything else. And then that night we take him and we watch or Tuesday night was it, whatever it was all runs together. I watched this hurricane come through and destroy all Louisiana and kill our, you know, I just know we've, we've just took a lick. So come from that, go straight to Florida. Uh, Cause that's where my parents evacuated, rode back to Louisiana with them and then just seen the complete devastation. And I mean, the only thing we could do is try to be positive. And ultimately I, I, you know, somebody tells you you've done, I've got the cleanest record freaking in the world. I've never done anything dang wrong. And for someone to tell you that you're a criminal for, for tampering with the missions uh, when you did everything right and did it like, you know, they, they talked about it seeming to do and you really thought you never, you didn't do nothing wrong and be told that to come home to this was, it was sucked. But I feel better now than I have. I'll be totally honest in, in probably all my life because I just see all of the hope and humanity and coming together and helping people. It's like everything else just disappears and it's just good out there and and being able to help and contribute to that and work with good people. It's come what may, man. It's, I feel, I feel as good as I could, I've ever felt in my life. Give us some examples, Corey, of the ways that uh, the community is coming together. You talked about food and supplies, are, were, were people, and I, and I don't know, I didn't see the footage, but were people waist deep in water and it's and taking their houses away and their double wides? And, and were you out there on site, like helping people move furniture? Like, t- <laughs> give me the lay of the land. So I'm, I'm going to tell you guys basically the lay of the land right now. So I'm, I'm driving back uh, to, to my house to take and get a little bit of sleep. And the, the trees and everything are so bad right now that I just stopped on the road about a, a quarter mile from my house on the road that we cleared and there's a tree falling across the road again and can't get across so that's basically the way the landscape is right now is, is you can ride down the road and it's clean and then there's a tree that fell or there's a power line that's hanging in the middle of the road it's just it's total total chaos and catastrophe here it's way worse than anything the media is showing i can tell you that much where are people housed? You know, that that got uh, you know they got pushed out of the houses. I mean, are are there centers? Are they in, uh, um, you know, like rec centers, things like that? Where are they where are they camping out? So, uh, so a lot of people evacuated out, and there was it's pretty well been a blast that if if you can't contribute or you can't you don't have a generator or something like that, don't don't come back. I mean, it's been like 104 degrees. So if if you don't have 
if you don't have a generator, you don't, there's no fuel stations that have any fuel around here. So if out of town people basically aren't bringing fuel in, I mean, even if you had the money for fuel, you got to go, you know, two, three hours out sometimes to get fuel. So, um, most everyone staying evacuated and, uh, they're, uh, some are, some are able to have access to fuel and can stay in their houses, but most people are out of town in hotels. And I, I believe FEMA's assisting on the majority of that. And then there's also like some public housing type stuff going on that, that I hear the situation, the conditions are terrible. So that's, you know, kind of worst case scenario. And then a lot of people are also camped up. I've got a bunch of people in my house right now uh, because they got a generator. So a lot of people just camp up with who they can. And then there's the, a lot of the workers that are here that come in from out of town. Some of them have campers. Some people are sleeping in freaking tents in the Walmart parking lot and getting up and going work on a chainsaw the next morning with no shower. So it's just, it's insane, dude. This is, this, this is insane stuff. I've never seen anything like this. The strongest storm that's hit here in honor. So this is, is this the biggest hurricane that you've ever lived, uh, lived through then? No doubt. I mean, we, we experienced Katrina. Uh, Rita was bad. But, you know, that brought a lot of flooding and the winds sucked. You know, I, 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 I don't remember what the winds were on Rita, but this dude was a different animal. And the amount of tornadoes this thing threw out, uh, I was hearing today, it was like hundreds of tornadoes. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, like my dad's house, uh, he, lives, he lives on the river and it basically lifted the whole front of his house up and then dumped it over. And you could see the path in front of his house across the river where a tornado just went through like a blazed trail. It's it's unbelievable. Like, I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's something you'd see in a movie. To see in real life is really weird. Do I remember correctly? Did I read on uh, one of your posts that you were talking about your house, how when you built it, you had uh, stormproofing in mind when you did it, and it actually did survive? Yeah, so uh, I actually had purchased this house, uh, and, and the guy didn't live in it for, I think, like almost a year or something like that. And my whole – I live in the woods. And my whole house was just wooded. Like you couldn't see anything out the window besides woods. So whenever I took and started getting a bunch of the trees out to be able to get a prettier view, uh, I kept in mind to, to try to keep trees as far as I lay, far away as I could from the house, but also block winds in different type of scenario. And then I built a pool, and even that pool I had in mind of how the winds could travel through and how things would work for the most part. Uh, I should have, I should have had an eye dash or something on it to really get, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, the, um, we, I had all that in mind. And honestly, even with, with everything I thought of, it was, it was a pure miracle of blessing that the, my house didn't get crushed by trees. So I, I, I've got a cleanup crew right now working in, in my yard, uh, that I, I want to say I've got like 40 trees down or something like that. It's unreal. I couldn't find my driveway with the, there was no road when I got back. So you know, we was out here with volunteers and guys and just chainsaws, they chop it. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's unreal, man. Just multiple, multiple machines, just pushing trees to the side. And uh, I mean, just crazy stuff. Like right now I'm in my, my 19 Dodge and I just pulled up to this tree across the road and luckily i got a big tie strap in the back so i'm gonna end up hooking this tree to the front of my dodge and i'm just gonna put this sucker in reverse and see how far it pulls so i can get home Corey, have you <laughs> have you looked around to see how many of the i'm guessing there's a ton of trucks out there doing exactly what you're talking about 
Can you tell me the percentage that are Honda Ridgelines? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking because we're, oh. do, we're doing real truck work here, and I just want to oh, yeah. be clear that is there no, any, no, no, are there any Honda no, Ridgelines? No, no, no. You forget that they're using the Honda Ridgelines as boats. <laughs> Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They work as like a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. There, I, I can tell you this: the 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 majority of the backbone of working America drives diesels, and uh, it it a hundred percent shows out here right now. There is a diesel with a gooseneck everywhere you turn. Skid steers, bobcat, everything you could think of is being pulled with a diesel down here right now. Okay, so we, we need to go back. This is all, I don't think people put the pieces together. When the hurricane was coming through, destroying your town, you were in Utah. So you were watching this on TV, freaking out. You can't be there. Even if you got on a plane, you wouldn't have made it. And the government's hammering you. And I, I kind of want to go into that for a second. Yeah, so let's, let's, because last time you were on, you had talked about the situation you were in and sort of that a settlement was coming and you guys were working out some agreements with the government and that you were going to come back when that was all finalized, but you couldn't talk about it at that time. And now we're at the that point where you can talk about it, but it doesn't sound like the outcome was what you were expecting, number one. And when you say they made me a criminal or called me a criminal, what does that actually mean for you? Um, are you to the point where um, you have any recourse left? And what does that mean for PPEI going forward? Yeah, so... so there's a couple of things. For one, there's a civil side that's going on, and, and that one I can't really talk anything about, but I thought it was basically over with. I'll put it to you that way. And then uh, there's this criminal side that popped up kind of out of nowhere, unexpected. I think we should rewind it just a little bit and, and, and tell people, explain why you were under the, the hot lamp for a while in the beginning, because you were tuning vehicles and doing what? All right. So, so basically we took and, and, you know, we've been tuning vehicles for years and we, uh, had a, had a, I still a hundred percent believe that, uh, the, the automotive industry has been misled that there's a racing, you know, there's exemptions for racing, but the thing is there's no clear definition for racing. And basically what we have to go off of is what's been done through the years. And then also what SEMA said, I mean, saw what uh, the EPA and, and was saying at SEMA, we're not coming after race vehicles, this and that. So we made, you know, I had my attorneys taking right up these waivers and everything else that ultimately what someone's, you know, doing with their vehicle is racing. If they purchase for a racing, we tune, man, we tune, we tune tons of trophy trucks. You know, we've got our own pro mod, tons of drag cars, stock, uh, stock, full-blown race trucks like we've ran at the track. You know, we, we've, we've busted world records with stock trucks that run low 12s, even when it ran high 11s. And so it's a real thing. Racing's legit. And, uh, you know, I have it going, and I don't think it's our job as manufacturers to audit the racetracks or audit each customer after they purchase tunes and make sure that they're doing it what they told us they were doing it for. That, that's, not, that's not a manufacturer's job. Our, our, I mean, if that's the case, then you got, uh, you know, every single manufacturer of, of turbo kits go in policing that the customers aren't putting them on uh, a truck driving on the highway. But ultimately, if you know, if you see a truck driving on the highway with your stuff, you cancel your support and all this and that. And so that's, you know, what we've done our very best to do. And it, 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 it ends up being one of them things that because you, you did racing stuff with vehicles that is considered tampering emissions and you can't, you can't race them. 
And so, uh, so they were now they hold the manufacturers so, criminally responsible. Right, and Corey, so they're alleging that that you gave the tools to regular consumers to alter their street-driven trucks. Are they also correct? alleging that you were aware of what people were doing with it? That that is that is pretty well the allegations right there, and it's it's one of them things that you know Ford puts a hundred mile an hour limiter. Uh, you can go over a hundred mile an hour, you get a freaking Ford Mustang. And does Ford know that people are going to take and drive over a speed limit? Sure, but it belongs to uh, the the police department, local departments to enforce those things. If people have the responsibility to not do it, uh, if you take and you make it to where it's they need, there needs to be a line drawn in the sand, and this is what I've been fighting for for a very long time. Okay, if if it needs to be that that someone needs to take and be able to deregister a vehicle, or like SEMA has been fighting for with the RPM Act to be able to convert a street vehicle to a race vehicle, fantastic. Now we got some lines drawn in the sand. We got something to go off of. Right now, all we have is the bull crap that was stated to us by the EPA attorneys at SEMA that says, we're not coming after your race cars. Well, that's such a broad definition that it could be taken a million ways. So you could take someone that, that, that if there's a, a ton of race cars out there, kind of like with EPI, or if there's not a ton of race cars, but if they don't give us manufacturers some type of line in the sand that we can use, I mean, if that's us having to have forms that show it's been to the track and the truck's deregistered or whatever, then sweet, but there's no way to do that. So if there's no way to do that, at the end of the day, racing is dead. You cannot take a vehicle and convert it to racing if we if the manufacturers do not have a way to send you parts. And that's where we are now. If that means that there's there's only 10 vehicles a year that make it eligible, or there's 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 10 millions of vehicles a year that are eligible to, to be racing vehicles, the manufacturers don't know a difference. We have nothing to go off of, and we're getting screwed. At the end of the day, the manufacturers are getting screwed. There needs to be a way to legally sell a race product. So, and I don't care if that way is difficult to sell. We need some type of way to do it. Otherwise, everyone's going to jail for stuff that for, for the passion of racing dirt track racers won't be able to get parts the entry level to, and this is so big it goes all the way to nascar you know what i mean the nascar driver didn't just sit in a nascar and take off he took off on a budget most of them started with budget go-karts and then they end up going to utbs and then they end up you know they work their way up so if so right now the way it's set up is no one can ever work their way up to be a professional race car driver because there's nowhere to start. And you give it five to 10 years, if all the manufacturers to give someone a starter in jail, racing's dead. And that's what I've been screaming forever. And uh, now now that's what we're starting to see them do is charge people as as criminals. So it's, it's a absolute, what's your recourse? Absolute disgrace. Because it sounds like your argument makes a ton of sense. All you're asking for is, is not to for the EPA to change what their ultimate mission is but to define a procedure that allows people to navigate what the epa wants so that we can have winners on both sides and that sounds really reasonable to me now when you've got the backing of sema and things that you've been told over time from organizations like that and it still backfires in your face what does Corey willis do what what is the outcome for you personally, and what do you do going forward? Is there a way to clear your name so that you aren't a felon, I guess, at the end of all this? Jay, I don't know uh, what what they're going to end up doing. I, I've got some game plans, and I'm not going to put my – I'm not going to show my cards because I promise you they're going to be loving listening to this podcast. But hopefully they listen to this podcast and they know that I'm, we're not trying to do anything wrong. I mean, heck, as soon as we – 
seen and, and learned of the national compliance of uh deal the 20 to 2023 we stopped selling race tunes altogether Jay, that killed get killed 80 percent uh, plus of my business for for tuning but we complied and the reason i complied is because they wrote it on paper for the national compliance order that you know there there is no race vehicles we don't have exemptions period and when they put that on paper and it was very the the language understood and not confusing we stopped and i didn't stop because i thought it was right i stopped because there wasn't any more confusion about it anymore so now there's no more confusion there is no support whatsoever a race vehicles if you touch a emission system air fuel whatever i mean Technically, bigger tires can take and throw it off. So it's a very big deal, and I've been preaching it for a while, but now that they're starting to hit people criminally for this stuff, then it's cool. And you know what? Hey, if if we've made we're mistakes, everyone's a human. Uh, <laughs> he without sin, cast a first stone or whatever. I, if we've made mistakes, no problem. Find us for it. Corey, I'm gonna Find be, the manufacturer. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that if uh, this goes down and they try and charge you, that if we rallied the troops together, all the listeners and the automotive aftermarket, and we start tweeting President Trump, you have a much better chance at him pardoning you than the Tiger King. I'm going to go on record right now and say that I am willing to spearhead that effort in order to get some awareness because if anybody, you know, if anybody deserves it, it's you and definitely not that Carol Baskin. <laughs> Not that big girl baskets, <laughs> but you, you know, uh, ultimately, I, we we do. I do have some connections. Thank God uh, that I've I've pretty well got up to the president to this point. When he was coming in town this weekend, we were trying to get it in, but it was it was too quick. But uh, I, I believe I'm going to end up making my way to Trump, and it's going to be a absolute. He's going to have a, a absolute fit when he sees that someone like me is being charged as a felon, a kid on a gun or nothing like that. But here I am pulling trees out for search and rescue late at night. Uh, and, and I'm not even posted on the internet talking about how we're doing good things because that's not what it's about. But people like me don't deserve to be told. We're not, we're not freaking felons, man. If, if we did something wrong, charges are fine. But race manufacturers are felons. We uh, agree. We, we should be out yeah. on guns. So, so to, to, <laughs> yeah, for sure. To clarify this a little bit, it, the EPA is, is saying, uh, if I understand this correctly, they're saying that if a vehicle comes off the line from Ford, Chevy, it doesn't matter who any it is. Any vehicle, right? period. Any vehicle, period. And it, and it has certain emission standards. Nope, it has uh, any emissions. No, on hold it. on a second. It ha- no, no, listen. It comes off the line certified, right, yes. by CARB and by the EPA. Not by car, by the uh, EPA. I, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, by by the EPA. It comes off the line. It it met standards there, and those standards cannot be altered. So you cannot alter that vehicle in any way because then it would force the EPA to have to retest that vehicle, right? And people aren't going to retest that vehicle. Or so, recertify or it. Recertify or recertify any of that stuff. So they said if it has a VIN, right, then you can't mess with it, okay? If it doesn't have a VIN, if it's something that you bought a crate engine and you and you made a tube frame, that is a race vehicle. Okay, as I understand, is that correct, Corey? Yeah, that's it. That's that's okay. it. And here's the thing too: when you buy that crate engine, it better be a crate engine that has no no emissions parts on it as well. So I don't know if you need to buy a billet block or buy. Uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know what you're gonna have to do to to be able to make all the factory parts not meet emissions. I mean, to, to be able to. to to, to, to be able to have some form of exemption. There's no real line in the sand. So it's it's ridiculous. So I mean if someone's got, you know, a hundred plus grand 
or whatever it costs to buy a Copo Camaro to get their start in racing and modify a vehicle, then, then, then cool. And we listen, we've got amazing emissions present tunes. I'd be, I'd be willing to say right, right along the side of banks, the amount of testing that's done to make uh, these vehicles happy and on the highway and able to drive on the highway and, and, and EO, getting set up for EO numbers and all this good stuff. Uh, we're on track, but like we've been waiting probably six to eight months to even be able to get an EO number. So uh, to go test. So how does someone get into the business of racing if 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 you can't do it? That And I'm not arguing the, the driving on the highway side. I don't think but vehicles need to be deleted driving on the highway. There is a purpose. I 100% get it. But we need some type of way to be able to allow racing. There needs If, if a company can only have a limited quantity of, of, of 50 vehicles a year, then so be it. Even if there's 50,000 vehicles a year going racing, we don't know unless we audit the racetracks and take track of everything. Nobody knows. So we end up just taking and getting screwed for the most part. Let me and, ask you and, this. And like I said, I'm not for these deletes on the highway or emissions removed vehicles on the highway. I don't think that should happen whatsoever, but we need to be able to make some race parts for people that want to go racing. And the calibrations to do so. Without the calibrations, the parts do not exist. Racing's dead. Let me ask you this, Corey. What do you tell the guys that have you got out of this business of you, you no longer make the tools to allow guys to alter their vehicles? And they hate you for it. There's and, a lot of hate online they, they, for they, that. So they a a lot of guys turned against you. You're which, a sellout and blah blah blah. You, you'll sell no. out, and they don't understand. They don't get it. You know, they, don't, yeah. they don't get it until the EPA comes knocking on, on their, their door. door yeah. Who has unlimited funds and can put any business of any size out of business. They don't they don't have a clue until their wife starts until their wife leaves them and says, I can't believe you got us into this mess just because you're altering trucks. I can't believe you. that they don't nothing makes sense until someone comes knocking on your door with a badge. But what do you tell those guys, Corey, that continue to sell this equipment? Because it's coming in from Canada. It's it's all over the place still. You know, it's just like it's like the government's playing whack-a-mole. So what do you tell the guys that are listening to the show that still either want to remove their emissions equipment or are selling equipment that allows them to remove that stuff from their vehicle? So let me tell you a, a real quick two-minute one. There's a guy, and I'm not going to say if he's a good player, bad player. I, I don't know any history on this fella. But this is the reality of the situation you're talking about. Um, there's, a, there's a fella that uh, I, I seen a couple of weeks ago online he was he was doing race trucks or deleting trucks i don't know what he was doing i don't know a thing about him but i do know that the epa took and they went to his house with federal agents because his house was out of his garage and they they uh supposedly blew down the door and had ar-15s in the house where his family was over this stuff uh, I don't think anyone's wife or kids would ever be expecting something like that over some vehicles. And I'm not saying he is or isn't deserving, but to answer your question, that's the things that are happening. Yeah. So there, if someone's willing to take that risk and uh, it's worth fighting for, then, hey, go for it. As soon as I seen the national compliance order, I, I knew that's the type of stuff that was going to start happening. And we stopped immediately because the language was defined in such a way that that couldn't be misinterpreted. And we stopped. And so if someone wants to go around that, it's on them. I'm not going to tell them if it's, if it's right or wrong. You know, I mean, <laughs> you believe in racing, go for it, but just you need to know the consequences. So, Corey, you got to go finish saving lives out there and pulling trees out of the road so old uh, ladies can get back home. 
Um, <laughs> we just I wanted to thank you for, for letting us talk to you for a little while. I mean, obviously, you had a, a lot of tough times as Holman started this interview, is that you've been, you, your attitude has been absolutely incredible. I mean, inspirational. Inspirational, truly. Like you've, you've faced adversity, and like a real entrepreneur, you're just not letting you stop you. It's, it's great. So, congratulations and, and thank you. And thank you thank for you, man. Uh, I, like uh, like I said, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I got diesel in my truck. I, I was able to get a generator on my house. Man, it's it's all about attitude. It's all about how you look at things. I could take it and sit down and, and be depressed about it all, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's always there's always a good outcome and just how you look at it. So I'm learning new things every day. Not everybody gets the opportunity to go sit down with a bunch of attorneys from the criminal department and uh you know, uh, have this experience and come home and do what I'm doing. So, yeah, does it? Could I say it sucks? I could say it sucks. But man, this uh, this can write a good book. It's some crazy stuff. Uh, but to answer your question, two seconds ago, I know we wrapped it up. Where is Corey Willis going? Where's BPI going? Yeah. Um, I'll put it to you this way: I've got some of the most talented people in the world that work for me. So, if if something did happen to me for a while, which God, I'm praying it doesn't. But if it did. PPI is perfectly fine, and uh, there's individuals at that office that are more talented than me, and uh, they, they would do some amazing things. But I don't expect nothing like that to happen. we got some cards in our pockets, and I'm hoping uh, some of the guys that are prosecuting us will listen to this and see, you know, we're not whatever picture was painted in their head for us to be. Normal guys just trying to uh, make a living and want to stand for something, and I'm here to help and offer any type of solutions we can for racing and, and for on-highway vehicles. So uh, we're, we're I'm I'm here to I'm here to play ball and play teams and make teams. Some big applause there. The uh, ultimate. Team <laughs> I never player. got one of those before. <laughs> I never got one of those. That's funny. Hey, hey, look at that guy in the back. He's really excited. <laughs> oh, look at there's balloons and fireworks. Oh, the confetti. I don't want to be the janitor in this auditorium at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Corey. All the best. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks, brother. Stay positive. Hang in there and. Uh, Give us an update whenever you're ready. We'd love to have you come back. Will do. Thank you guys a bunch. Stay safe out there. All right, later. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. Bye-bye. Holman, I have a question for you. What the hell is going on in trucks? What's What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Uh. Uh. It was lackluster, but it was tight. It was tight. Yeah. It was tight. I'll give you that. So, uh, 2022... uh, That's what she said. Tundra. (laughs) Yeah, uh, 2022 Tundra. (laughs) We might have some uh, surmising on it. Tell me more. I I don't know if this is correct or not, but uh, we recently uh, did an article on uh, Truck Trend and on uh, Motor Trend. Talking about what we think we know about the 2022 So this is uh, some guesswork. A little bit. Educated guesses, I would say. Uh, basically, it'll be built on the latest truck chassis, so it's reportedly been called- Well, no duh. It's going to be built. They're not going to go backwards. Uh, coin the Toyota New Global Architecture F, or TNGA-F for short. Which T-N-A- what? TNGA-F, which what really that isn't that sound- short. What does that sound for? I just said it. Toyota New Global Architecture F. That's dumb. So uh, it sounds like the Tundra's body-on-frame underpinnings ought to benefit from uh, more high-strength steel. And then uh, mixed media, so I would assume that the body will have aluminum and other things on it to make it lighter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be bedazzled with uh, its mixed media? I don't know if uh, bedazzled quite the right term for a uh, manly truck such as the Tundra. <laughs> okay. Uh, we anticipate it will do- adopt rear coil springs and 
place of the truck's current leaf springs oh. to go with its solid rear axle. And we also expect the uh, lighter 2022 Tundra to improve on the maximum 1,730-pound payload and 10,200-pound towing numbers for the uh, current truck. So you're guessing it's going to carry more. We also think that it's- You're just going out on a limb on this one. We also think that the V8 is gone. Uh, oh. No more Tundra V8. V6, then. Reportedly- Turbo V6. Uh, I was going to say, uh, they may be using a variant of the 416 horsepower, 3.4 liter Turbo V6 that's found under the hood of the Lexus LS500. While lesser tundras will likely employ the naturally aspirated 278 horsepower, 3.5 liter V6 of the current Tacoma, but maybe making a little bit more power than today. And then we're guessing they uh, will likely join the hybrid fray as well, offering a uh, hybridized version. It's weird because I saw hybrid fray at the Troubadour right before they closed for COVID. Ah, I, man, I was disappointed I missed that one. Yeah, I didn't like I heard the, it was good. The keyboardist uh, kept missing uh, notes. It was just weird. So if it's 2022, I'm guessing that we should probably start hearing more about it in the beginning of next year. But for now, you'll just have to go with our guesstimate of the 2022 Toyota Tundra. It's just a lot of guesswork. I mean, anyone could have come up with that stuff. You guys are supposed to be journalists and some junk. Yeah, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> no? Sure. Fine, yeah. And then in uh, Jeep news, they uh, released the Grand Wagoneer as a concept... Uh, if you head over to trucktrend.com, you'll get to see all about it. Way upscale. Way upscale. And what's interesting really? is it's built on a modified Ram DT platform, so Ram 1500. Or like the GM or Ford competitors, it'll uh, use the pickup truck underpinnings, heavily modified, and uh, IRS, so independent at all four corners. That's what I'm hearing. They are going after that over... 100K market for sure. Oh, that is what I knew you were going to say. If you look at the concept, the materials are unbelievable. There's mixed media. Would you say that? No, I would not say that. Okay. Uh, what, what's amazing is uh, <laughs> there are screens everywhere, including in front of the front passenger, and it has a like a screen protector over it, kind of like on a computer where you can't see it from certain angles, so the driver oh, can't see it. Interesting. So the passenger has their own screen, and then they have these like. Uh, like mood modes, like the fireplace, where it has flames crackling on all screens in it and stuff like that. And uh, it's very sophisticated. There's not many cues of the original uh, so Wagoneer. Would you want a log burning fireplace in, in your, your car? car yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it's got the, it's got the vibe. Um, yeah. It's cool. I'm glad they're doing it. The, uh, the exterior design is totally unique. It mm -hmm. doesn't really look like anything. You can sort of get that Chrysler FCA Jeep vibe out of it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like a, a you know Wagoneer to me. Like I wish there was more detailing in the D pillar that it kind of had that classic Wagoneer D pillar. And the grill isn't bold enough for me. It's a little squinty. I wish it was a little bit bigger because the Wagoneer was always something that came with a full face. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a concept, so there's going to be a lot of changes before the production version of it. But uh, it's it's worth a look. I mean, if you are a 1962 Wagoneer fan, which is when they first came out, and you have lots of you might be happy that a full-size 4x4 Jeep is available. And I do know that they're going to be uh, including a lot of off-road capability, although the concept version has 24-inch wheels on it. I'm in. <laughs> I figured uh, that might uh, pique your interest. It definitely does. So in addition to the Wagoneer, uh, Jeep also released on the same day the 4xe hybridized models that have their own battery pack. 
and you can run up to... Uh, when you say 4 by e Holman, you mean four-wheel drive, all electric? No. Oh, what is 4 by e then? That's just the model designation for their hybrid uh, powertrains. Oh. So what's cool is the 4 by e adds a 400-volt, 17-kilowatt, 96-cell battery pack that mounts beneath the second-row seat, protecting it from outside elements and preserves interior space. Estimated output is 350 horsepower and 442 pound-feet of torque, okay. which uh, equals more than 50 mpge from the following components. That's a 2-liter turbocharged straight 4, an engine-mounted motor generator unit, transmission-mounted motor generator unit integrated into the 8-speed automatic transmission, and, a four, and the aforementioned 400-volt, 17-kilowatt, 96-cell lithium-ion nickel-manganese-cobalt battery pack. Say that 10 times fast. No. So Jeep engineers wanted to preserve the uh, wranglerness of it so you can still get it in uh, a Rubicon with a 4-to-1 transfer Is case. that a thing, wranglerness? I think so. Okay, so wranglerness. preserves all the approach and departure angles and water fording and all the Jeep capability while still being able to go all electric. Oh, and you can still ford up to 30 inches of water just like the standard wrangler. <laughs> it's got to be sketchy, though, with, with electric. So you're not, no, it's all, it's all dialed in. It's all protected. It's, okay. uh, listen, how about this? If you are a I mean, wildlife listen, photographer. I get it. They're not going to make. You can sneak up on wildlife and get your pictures. Oh, interesting. You okay. can roll into camp at two in the morning and not piss anybody off when you go into silent mode. No There's one wants cool to do that. You want to be loud when you roll into camp. Everyone I'm curious to, to drive it because I want to see what it's like in all electric mode mm-hmm. with all that torque during rock crawling. Oh. I think that could be pretty cool. That would be cool, yeah. So I want to hear from our listeners, uh, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, electrified Wrangler or uh, or standard. Would you uh, love the torque and the plug-in ability? Would that help sway the significant other in the household, or is this a horrible idea for Jeep and ruins everything they stand for? What do you think? Nah, people will go for it. I think people are warming up, warming up to it. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. I think it would be cool. I think there's uh depends on how they use the tech and everything that I've been told so far has been pretty... Uh, Pretty positive in terms of driving dynamics and really elevating the uh, Wrangler driving experience, especially off road. Not taking away from what the Wrangler is. So again, rock we'll crawling that'd be fun. I think it'd be cool. And just for fun, uh, Tanner Faust. I don't know if you remember uh, Tanner's name. I, I think everyone knows Tanner Faust from uh, Top Gear. Sure. And what else? Uh, Rally X Games. I prefer to not think of him as being from Top Gear. Uh, he was a host for the top, first Top Gear of Top Gear. America. I think uh, he's a driver. He uh, was a he's a phenomenal driver to this day, and he's a stuntman and taught uh, a lot of uh, military how to drive their vehicles uh, uh, better. <laughs> I don't know. What <laughs> All to right, say well, there. this, this story's for you. <laughs> I, I grabbed this off of the uh, off of the headlines mm-hmm. specifically sure. for my friend Lightning. Okay, uh, Tanner Faust sets world record for fastest street legal minivan. That ain't true. That's not true. In a 700-horsepower <laughs> Mercedes-Benz R63 AMG. You're not wrong. You're just maybe less than right. But I don't really consider the R-Class a minivan because it has swinging rear doors. No, it's a minivan. It's, it's a it's wagon. A nah, it's, no, it's not. To it's, me, it's just a wagon. It's, it's not a, a wagon. Tall, it's a tall no, wagon. No, no, no. The, an, e, an E-Class wagon is a wagon. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah, what do they call is, a shooting brake? Right. All right. Then it's the shooting brake, and this is a wagon. This is not a wagon. This is not a minivan. It is a minivan. Yeah. It doesn't have sliding doors. I Vans have sliding nah, doors. The R class is a minivan. Hmm. It's definitely a minivan. All right. Well, it, it, it's it's a lot sleeker than any other minivan on the planet. But I it's think a minivan. It's, yeah. I think it's not a minivan. Dude, but the anyway. hot ticket though is getting the R class with the AMG. Very few of those around. If you can find one, do it. They're a pain in the ass to work on because I watched a lot of street legal. Uh, what's it called? Uh, what's this channel? 
St- legit streetcars on uh, on YouTube, and he he bought uh, an R class AMG, and he hated working on it. But boy, does that thing haul ass, and it's a sleeper. I knew the story would be the right one for you. I can tell by your enthusiasm, mm-hmm. your passion, mm-hmm. your excitement for uh, telling the backstory. I just hope you have that same enthusiasm for our upcoming guest. But oh, be- I I do. Before we get there, this specially prepared R sixty three AMG, top speed of. Are you ready? Uh, let me guess here. Top speed. Uh, oh, we set a record, so it's got to be. It's got to be 225. No, it's got to be faster. It's got to be like 200. Yeah, 225 it's miles an a hour. A minivan record. Do- doesn't matter. 225 miles an hour. All right. The attempt took place at the Sand Hills Open Road Challenge on August 7th, located in Arnold, Nebraska. This event boasts a 55-mile rally-style open road race through the scenic hill country, and Faust drove the specially prepared Mercedes-Benz R63 AMG to a record-setting speed of 165.5 miles per hour. In the standing mile. From the factory, these hot rod minivans, which I don't think they are, were equipped with a 6.2-liter V8 with 507 horsepower, 465 pound-feet of torque, and they were said to run uh, 0 to 60 in 4.6 seconds and were limited to 155. So ah. 700 horse and only got 10 more miles per hour out of it in the standing mile? Yeah, not so much. I mean, eh. Like I, mean, I said, this I one mean, was a nod to you. Good for him, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of, that was a letdown. <laughs> that was a letdown. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, well, we're going uh, to end news today on a letdown and hope our next guest picks us up. I have a feeling he will. Holman, we, we have a guest. Again? Again? In studio. Shh. Not in studio. This is, this is, Zoom. No, he's right no, here. I'm no, looking into his eyes. He's not. His bloodshot eyes. That is on a TV screen. Oh, is it? Yes. What, are we going to get in trouble by for Motor Trend by having someone here? There's nobody here, Lightning. Okay, it's a Zoom call. Ow. Do I need to kick you <laughs> harder, Lightning? All right. This is going to sound really good for a Zoom call. I'm just Thank telling you. you now. Yeah, because we Anyone? paid for the high fidelity package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you shipped it to me, so I have a really good quality at my place, too. Perfect. Perfect. And there's no latency. Just, at all. Yeah, at all. Which is totally Sounds good. weird for the show. Sean, do you want a Dr. Pepper? Uh, no. I am good. Uh, okay. Wait. Those are this Sean's Dr. Peppers. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Should we tell- oh, my bad. Should we tell everybody who's actually here with us? So, Sean, do you pronounce your last name Ramage or Ramage? Ramage. Ramage, because I saw the accent over the, uh, the second A there. Well, Ramage. I mean, yeah, everybody leaves the accent off. And uh, I would have to say everybody adds a P. A P where? Rampage. Rampage, really? Rampage. That's dumb. Love it. I hope I hope that's your Instagram handle, even though I know it's not. No, but <laughs> so back in like the mini trucking days, one of the announcers called out like my name for the awards for a truck that we did. And uh, Ooh, you see that humble brag right there? Rampage. <laughs> he got my first name and my last name wrong. He had it down as a Dean Rampage. Yeah, Dean Rampage. That's awful. Oh, that's so your best. So now, like, I love it's that. still a, like a playing out joke through yeah. a few friends. And just recently, one of my buddies was on a um, Monster Garage. He was on the new set for Monster Garage. Oh yeah, they're redoing that show. Yeah. So yeah. they ended up. Uh, they bought some tools off me that I had for sale. And when my buddy left, he told the main guy there that my name was Dean Rampage. So when they <laughs> called to buy these tools. Uh, he was asking for Dean, and I'm like, no, nah, there's no Dean here. I don't know who you're talking about. He's like, no, nah, Dean Rampage, you know, uh, Brandon told me that you guys had this for sale. I was like, 
Brandon, Brandon Cisco? And he was like, yeah. I was like, man, my name's not Dean Rampage. It's Sean. It is now. Oh, yes, yeah. it is. All right, listen. Before we get into this and uh, and let everyone know why you're here, we've going, we're going to... Uh, we're going to play a brand new intro. We're going to christen this with you. All right. It's Shop Talk. You know what we need, man. Shop Talk. Shop Talk. Shop Talk. Shop Talk. Shop Talk. Turn that wrench side to side. What you're going to build, you can't hide. We want to share what you've built with all our friends. How much you tell us, it all depends. Shop Talk. Shop Talk. Shop Talk. What do you think? About two minutes too long. Oh, shut up! <laughs> I, it's literally still going right now. Yeah, there's we're, we're, there's we're, a bad end of fade to this. We're, we're, we're talking over the tail. That's what we're doing. That's what you do with this, this intro. The longest tail ever. <laughs> yeah. Sean? It, it, it was good. In the beginning, Brian, it was good, but I felt like it got slow in the middle. It, yeah, it was a little drug out. But my question is, when are you guys going to have a hip-hop one? I think we kind of do with like who dis. Yeah, who dis is our hip hop. Yeah, I mean who dis is you. You need like, yo, the drugs. It has air horns. You need like classic hip hop. Oh, like yeah, uh, but we don't have that many bleeps. Like Warren G or something. Yeah, we don't have that many bleeps in the bleep machine though. We only get like four or five uh, show. You like Biggie Smalls? What are you talking about? Like Biggie, but no, that's more like I guess that would be classic hip hop. Well, how far back do you want to go? Like. You know, maybe like Weird Al mid Yankovic? 90s. No, we can't go to Weird Al. <laughs> I'd say like 90s ish. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not, you know, sorry guys, but. That old? <laughs> that old. He looks at us. By, by the way, I just look old. Yeah. yeah I'm, much, I'm much younger yeah. than I look. Surrounded by ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we were walking Sean in, by the way, uh, Dean Rampage, uh, from Empire Fabrication, and uh, again, one of our earliest uh, listeners. Uh, and he says he has a bone to pick with us. Now, wait, is is that walking him in before we got him out of his slammed Toyota truck? No, walking him in is in dialing the Zoom link. Oh, I see. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So he didn't he didn't drive no. the, the white no. Toyota Mini right. outside? No, he sent a picture of it. Oh, is that what happened? But I, I uh, he has a bone to pick with us, I don't, and I don't know why. I don't know what we could have done to offend him, and I'm, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we, uh, we are so good that we could never, ever offend possibly anyone? offend anybody. You're insane. I'm sure we've offended every member of our... Our listenership. At some uh, point. What is, Sean is, uh, what pissed you off? There's all this talk about the Jeep stuff you guys got yeah. going on, but there's not enough Toyota stuff. Now, yeah, sure, that's true. I, that's I would true. agree with that. I, I will tell you the reason for that is, A, Toyota people don't make themselves av- as available as uh, Jeep people, and um, I'm- We're talking about industry guys, like I'm uh, constantly, fans. No, yeah. anything. I'm constantly going through my Rolodex to uh, book guests, and Lightning never books anybody- Except for you, apparently. And so it's a little bit lopsided. So literally we'll come into the office, into the studio, and, and Lightning will go, Oh, we got too much off-road stuff for the... Oh, hold on. Oh, we got too much off-road stuff for the last few weeks. I'm like, okay, name one person that you booked on the show. Well, I, I don't mean it as a criticism. What about Corey Willis right before this? That Hot was stuff. solid. That was yeah. solid. It's hey, about, okay, so this one, episode, this one episode, you have a couple good people. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm batting two for two. <laughs> Today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not that we hate the Toyota scene. It's just they're harder to come by. There aren't as many well, enthusiasts out there. So, Sean, who, who would you have us 
have on the show. So there's a guy named uh, one of my buddies, Brian, who runs Four-Wheel Drive Underground. He develops uh, four-link kits for almost every generation of Toyota truck. Is it uh, on-road four-links or off-road four-links? Depends on what you want to do. I mean, we, you could drive it on road. They're very. Capable. We could only talk about on road four links because lightning will go. Oh, that's st- too much off roading. Would you stop? I mean, it? I'm just stopping. You could I, set up a nice FJ80 to be a mall crawler like his last truck. I mean, you put one on 37s, it'd be real nice. I mean, you know, FJZ80 myself, but okay. Scribble his number down. We'll call. All right. All right. Now that we got the business yeah. out of the way, All right. why the hell are you here, and why did you drive two hours from Ventura? Well, if I'm going to do a podcast, I need to do it. From Zoom, remember? Right, uh, that's what I mean. You're in the parking lot where we looked and saw your car, your mini truck outside, and uh, we're zooming. Currently. And first off, what, what's the story with the mini? What year is that Toyota out there? And so uh, that one's a '93. Again, you have to be really careful. You can't call that a mini because people will think it's your car. Do you have to say mini truck? What mini you truck. don't have to tear into me every to make every joke. It's okay. You know when I just let when it, I pulled I'm up, not. I was actually looking for the mini Cooper just Thank so I you. knew where to went. Thank you. And did you I'm see? I'm not tearing into. Did you see the 2020 Denali out there? I'm trying. To, I'm driving that. I figured oh, the that one was I, to the gym next yeah. door. The one that your boss owns. <laughs> yes, Listen, that one. Yes. I'm just trying to make sure people understand what we're talking about in the context of lightning. It means different things. I'm just. I don't like how students. this is going. I have two Shans beating up on one Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you sat him on my this side. This is of the not table. a threesome. I want to be a part of. No, I, <laughs> I, I can understand why. By the way, me either. <laughs> okay, good. So, Sean, let's uh, let's rewind the clock as we do so often, and and figure out how did you actually get your start? Where? What's the story behind uh, Empire? Well, if we go back far enough, I would have to say it started with a um, 1986 Suzuki Samurai. Yeah, really? yeah. I've actually owned ten Samurais. But uh, so wait, how many of them were hard tops and how many of them were ten soft tops? I've had ten samurais, and they're not hard tops; they're tin tops. No, that's true. Tin tops. Yeah, I've had one tin top, and the rest were all soft tops. And one of them I bought was hot pink with like graphics on it, lowered on Dayton's. <laughs> yeah, when you rolling these. Yeah, that one was it was pretty sweet. Where did you find that, Compton? No, uh, Tulare County. Where? Tulare County. Oh, Tulare. Yeah, that's okay. where I'm originally from. So I grew up in a town called Exeter. Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, and base of Sequoias, yep. you know. And so uh, growing up, I did a lot of, like, off-roading and stuff. So I built a Samurai, and it was my crawler, and I would just take it out. Then I uh, I started going to Pismo. I started jumping it. Started bending axles. Started jumping the Sammy? Oh, of course. That's awesome. Nothing like uh, over uh, over-jumping on a short wheelbase. Yes, yeah. Get, it, get into any trouble in those Samurais as far as uh, jumping too far, landing on its side, flipping off so a ranger, my off main, the ranger? My main Samurai, this would have been my second Samurai. I would say that the second one, um, it was built up pretty well. And uh, that one, uh, I probably rolled about seven times. At once or on different occasions? <laughs> no, it was about once a year for about seven years. <laughs> All right. And I would roll it, and then I would put the back window in the back seat and drive to college the next day. Did it Did it look like a samurai, or was it just a, uh, a smashed tin can? <laughs> uh, towards the end, I would say the, the second to last rollover folded the cage, and I had to clip off the back. So then it was from, like, doors forward, and then the back was all tubing, which I will say is why I got into fabrication. Because I took the Samurai, 
to a shop up north in Tulare County, and I had a sketch of a drawing of how I wanted the cage to go and follow the lines of the body, and he built me nothing to what I wanted <laughs> at all. And let me ask you, did you pay for it or did you bail? No, I paid for it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Now, did he do it because your drawing wasn't strong enough, so he felt he had to strengthen the cage, or was he just, screw you, I'm going my own direction with your vehicle and your money? It wasn't planned out right. Like, my drawing, I mean, I didn't have dead tubes. My drawing was on point for, you know, what I wanted. And it followed, like, the door lines and the stuff like that. And what he put on my car pretty much looked like a turtle back. The tubes, <laughs> the tubes came down at, like, angles. Uh, I would say where they met the main hoop were probably three inches higher than the window line. But so it was like a, uh, an exoskeleton, but only on the back half? Yeah, I mean, it was like a bobtail if you were to panel it, the way it was shaped. But then he put the spare tire on the top part of the cage. If a samurai isn't already top heavy enough, it was on the back like a 45 degree angle. But, you know, pulling a 33 or 35 off that thing wasn't fun. I mean, to the average person, it would probably looked cool. But to a fabricator that actually knew what he was doing, they would have just laughed at it. So when you say you had a built samurai, is that... Toyota axles, Jeep axles, just built samurai. Did so, you lengthen the wheelbase? What suspension? This samurai, um, let's see. It was uh, stocked axles, uh, geared 411s with Detroit locker in the front and rear. It had a 6-to-1 T-case. Nice. Uh, it had the Geotractor 16-valve, or yeah, 16, 1.8 liter, or 1.6, 1.6-liter 16-valve fuel-injected motor yep. in it. Um, it had, it had, you know, Doug Thorley header on it, two and a half inch exhaust. And it was, I mean, it was a crawler, like fifth gear in four low was like 15 miles an hour. (laughs) I mean, that six to one T case was just ridiculous in that little thing. Yeah. For example, my JL four to one T case, six to one. That's crazy. Nothing. I have a 101 to one crawl ratio. I can't even imagine what first gear must've been in that thing. Uh, First gear, you didn't even need the clutch. Yeah. Yeah, you just dropped it right in. I could pull up to a wall, and it would just chirp against the wall. It was just moving so slow. (laughs) Did you ever do that? Yeah, of course you did. (laughs) That's how I know. That's how you figured it out. (laughs) Yeah, so that Samurai, actually, I had that one the longest, and I probably sold that one about two years ago, and I was going to rebody it, and I just didn't have time. And I had the new body on it, ended up selling it for pretty much everything I put into it. As it was in pieces, but uh, after that, well, I started, you know, I had kids, and so I uh, I started building a forerunner now. So I have a first gen forerunner with a foral underground four link kit for the back. Wait, when you said now, wait a minute, you just skipped nine samurais. Oh. Well, we're not going to go through all of them. <laughs> well, you don't no, want to go through. <laughs> I mean, I say nine samurais. I've had over eighty cars. Oh my god. And I used to buy and sell cars. Oh, but are you like one of the guys them. that lives in the desert that just has cars for days and none of them are on? They're just husks? No, no. It's worse. I grew So, uh, It's worse. <laughs> is that possible? It's, it's worse, but I love them. They're great Wait, people. wait, wait. More importantly, did you have a title for each one of those? Yes. Oh. Wow. That's yes. impressive. Okay. Like yeah. you couldn't even get a title for a so, C20. <laughs> the second one, all, the, all 10 Samurais minus the second one, the main one that I built up, I, I've spent less than $500 for every single one of them. And then I would just sell them for about 25, 3500, fix them up, spring over, lift, just clean them up and make them nice and then sell them cuz it was what I knew at the time. And so I had a few of those. I had a 
bunch of Toyota trucks. What's, but, what's the value of a Samurai today? Like, if you had held on to any of those, would they be worth more today? I would say top dollar for a clean Samurai will bring six grand. Yeah, I was going to say five. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. I, and then... Like I'm seeing fully built ones that guys are wanting like eight to ten, but they're sitting they're on not, them for they're a not long getting them. time. Yeah, like you're not if you're get lucky, it. fully built on like 33s, upgraded axles, spring over. I mean, maybe 69, 72, yeah, it's something like and, that. And yeah. even at that price, you have to have the motor swap. Yeah, because that stock 1.3, 1. 1. 1. right? Should, yeah, yeah, one point. It doesn't. There's no power in that thing. Yeah. What's the biggest uh, engine anyone's ever dropped in a Samurai? That oh, no, the, be- the best engine, well, V8s, but the best engine was the uh, Volkswagen 2-liter TDI. Those swaps in Samurais were awesome. The 2-liter or the 1.9? Ooh. Uh, I think it was, was so, one, might be the 1.9. I also have, I have a 79 Volkswagen Rabbit with a 1.9-liter TDI swap. swapped in, and it was my daily driver. It's got a you know bigger cam, or it's got a... Bigger turbo injector, stage two cam, port polished head from Kerma TDI. So yeah, so Kerma is well known for doing that stuff. Basically, the one point nine was something like I think it was ninety horsepower from the factory. Yeah, something like that, and uh, gobs of torque. But with a stick, they're actually pretty fun. I, I had a uh, uh, friend who had a first generation uh, Beetle mm-hmm. uh, TDI, and I think it was actually fun to drive for what it was. And people were swapping those things into Sammys and into I mean all sorts of stuff. There are even yeah. Jeep swaps that had them too. There's a few like Toyota guys are swapping them in because the Vance Adapters makes almost to put up almost any transmission behind that thing, and it's a good motor. I mean, in my little Rabbit, it's got about 250 horsepower right now, Damn. 300, 350 torque. <laughs> that, that's Two, awesome. Did you say 250? Yeah. Oh my god. It's, yeah, that's, that's it's ridiculous. And uh, at 65 with cruise control, because we had to put cruise control in it from the donor car. Uh, I get 60 mpg in that yeah. thing. Oh my god. Yeah, those, yeah buddy. Those things get uh, tremendous fuel economy. It was either that or get a Prius, and I decided I'm gonna build nah. a I'm gonna build a commuter. Yeah, yours is way cooler than no, any Prius. No, did you even consider? Did you really consider a Prius even for a moment? There was a second I considered a Prius, and if I got it, I would have bagged it. I was gonna say because there's a guy here in the South Bay that's got a bagged Prius. I've that seen it. It's the first time. It's white, right? Yeah. And I was there. I was at an, uh, at an event just down the street in, at Alpine, and I'm like, ah. I no. could almost kind of maybe see this is kind of cool and I could no. I could maybe mm. not be totally no. offensive driving this. No. No, but because, I didn't obviously. Because but, if it's bagged, people probably most people look at it and they don't even think it's cool. They just think something's broken. Exactly. You know, I, I I get that, but yeah, the average person is not going, I, "Oh, I, that's a bagged Prius." The average person's going, "Damn, that Prius has a lot of crap in it." You know? I'm pretty confident though that I could take any vehicle that someone gives it to me and make it cleaner and classier to where someone doesn't really know, but they like the way it looks. It's just like saying it's cool because you know it when you see it, right? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do to it, but what I do, you're going to go, and yeah, that's cool. Off air, you brought up uh, Bobby from Sadistic. And he, when we were interviewing him, he, he was saying- Which that, time? When we went to the shop? Uh, yeah, at the shop. And I, somehow he said, "Where I saw Ferrari welds and was a, the atrocious oh, uh, yeah. Mario welds on uh, from Friday uh, after we, drinking." Yeah, we were stunned how bad these welds were Ooh. on a brand new Ferrari. Anyway, different story. But he was saying that guy uh, people will stop him in the at the uh, at the gas station and walk up and go, "Your car's broken. Like, what's wrong with it? Because it's laying on the ground." And I'm like, "It's it's 2020, people. Like, how have you never seen?" A bagged car, and I guess a lot of people haven't. Well, I mean, it also depends on where you're at. Like, L.A., all the custom cars I feel like in L.A. are kind of just kept in the garages and brought out on the weekends. 
where sure. I grew up in Tulare County. Like, I can't drive through Tulare County without seeing a bag truck just roll by me on the freeway. They're everywhere out there. Really? And then, yeah, I mean, Tulare, it's the, – the mini trucking scene, it's still – it's still kind of big down there. Is Tulare but, like wine country up there? No, that's no, farms. Not at all. What are, no? That's farms. Farms, okay. Oh, yeah. It's all dairy farms out there. I mean, you can't go through there without smelling. Yeah, know. yeah. It's ripe. Yeah. It's that, and then there's orchards. I mean, when I, where I grew up, I had plums in front of me, walnuts behind me, oranges on the side of me. And now, like, is that euphemisms? No, that's the real thing. <laughs> okay. So, so, so bag bag trucks are everywhere up there, and yeah, that you know what that is true. I think in LA and Orange County, certainly California in general. Yeah, I mean, guys have exotics. They have even bag trucks. They only take them out it, on the weekends. I think that's because the traffic is so bad. And nobody wants their ride ruined by some a hole in a Prius. Well, you don't want that, and you don't want uh, you don't want your beautiful paint screwed up with rock chips. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't want that. So that's the reason I don't take my my cars on the road except for which on the which weekends. ones in particular. Right now it's just the Mercedes. I don't take that because I can't go up the 605 freeway because there's no that dirt work up there. Yeah. And there's I have uh, already shattered two windshields, and I'm not going to do it to the Mercedes because it's like 1200 bucks for that freaking piece of glass. Yeah. So I'm not taking that up the uh, the road. So it's it's out on the weekends. It, do you encounter that when you're – I guess you don't. When you, you've got a slammed truck and sit at the gas station, and so I no have, one looks at you sideways. I have three bagged vehicles right now. Uh, and, I mean, most people – I feel like because the rabbit's bagged, and when I drive it around, I mean, it just looks like a lowered static car. I don't really see it. The uh, the suburban, I'll get that a lot with the suburban, just because it's so big and it just why is this thing on the ground? What year's the suburban? Uh, I have two suburbans. I have of a course s- you do. I have a because one's not enough. No, no, no. So I have a '79 GMC, um, California titled as a diesel. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I have a 73 GMC. Both are 2,500 Suburbans, eight lug. Nice. Uh, the 79 is 100% bone stock. It is- 454? 454. It is clean and fresh. The Is it freshy fresh, would you it say? Is, it is. Well- Ooh. It, see what I did there? Yeah, he yeah. doesn't know yet because he hasn't heard the no, beginning of the show. No, he spent 20 minutes bagging on me for saying freshy fresh. Yeah. So you just backed up that it's not It's not bad. No, no. He no, just said fresh. Freshy yeah. fresh, actually. Yeah. Oh, see? Oh, yeah. yeah. With its well, new right. carpet. Yeah, yeah, buddy. I've got a Jay and a, a Sean uh, teaming up on me. That's exactly right. <laughs> How does it feel? And then the other one is a 73 uh, 2500 Suburban, and that's on a custom, full custom chassis on 22s. Yes. Yeah, buddy. Got a lot of buddies going for him. And then yeah. that one is also getting a twin turbo Nelson V8. You're tied in with Nelson Racing Engine somehow. So I've known Tom, I think the first time I did work with Tom. This is Tom Nelson. Tom Nelson. Okay, and for those who don't know Nelson Racing Engines, uh, what's he known for? Like, how did he get a start? I know we're going taking a million different. Uh, so uh, wasn't he in that here? band, the Nelson Twins? No, that's not him. Oh, okay. Just yeah, that was yeah. just Nelson. Remember? Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right, so Tom got his start building engines. He's, he's an engine builder, and he's been doing a few, you know, full builds, and now they have a full uh, full fab shop and everything, and they're doing full builds in the shop. When I first met Tom, I was working for another shop called, um, it was Red Zone Race Fab, and Red Zone Race Fab actually built for Nelson uh, Freiberger's uh, F-Bomb Camaro. Yeah, buddy. But Tom is known for, like, the motors, and he does the uh, twin-turbo LS's big blocks, the Ford engines, and his big thing is the mirror damage turbos. He originally came out at the first one to do it and patented it a long time ago. So I started working with Tom on 
Maximus, which is the bare metal wide body charger that they had at SEMA, I think two years ago. And then before that, it was like another year. That's got a 2,500 horsepower big block Hemi in it. Twin turbo with 72 millimeter turbos on it. I've been doing the sheet metal work for him since 2012. And then uh, I worked for him full time for two years. Uh, About a year ago is when I left him and went full time at my shop at uh, Empire. So what were you, you were doing sheet metal work? What was your specialty at at Nelson? At Nelson's, I was doing all the sheet metal work. So the big thing I was doing there was the engine bays. I did three engine bays and engine bays in a twin turbo car is no fun task. I mean, it's very time consuming. You have to take all that stuff in and out multiple times just to get everything to fit right and getting the heat out. We did a few other projects. I was working on a um, mid-engine GTO all-wheel drive. That's going to be a sleeper monster that he's got going on over there. And I was doing some chassis work. I did all the cage work on that car. Pretty much the fab work. I just, I didn't touch the motors. I'm not a motor guy by any means. But we did all the sheet metal work for him. And I still do stuff for him occasionally on the side. He'll bring me something out and or I'll uh, go over there for, you know, two days if I can and just knock some stuff out. So he's, he's got a huge name in the industry. I mean, Nelson Racing Engines, he's really, he's done great. On, you just look him up on social Instagram. He's got a lot of eye candy and big horsepower eye candy. How did you get from building that first tube chassis samurai, fixing what the guy couldn't build for you, into uh, making engine bays, custom engine bays, for one of the premier builders at SEMA? All right, so we're going to have to go back to that samurai now. Okay. So <laughs> Twice in one show. <laughs> All right. Is so, that like when you're looking in a mirrored, but you in a mirror, but you have mirrored sunglasses on, so the reflection just never ends? I think that's like, <laughs> and you just end up in a trance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, now I'm stuck in a past. <laughs> I can't get out. Um, just wait till you get out of the studio. It's gonna be all sorts of tomorrow. He's outside. gonna walk out. <laughs> oh, what happened out here? <laughs> Sorry. No, he's in retirement. After that, Samurai, I pretty much taught myself how to weld. Being in Tulare County. And knowing how to weld, I started having friends come by and be like, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And then I ended up bagging my first truck, oh, God, like 17 years ago. At this time, I had the Samurai, and I was jumping it, bent axles, blah, blah, blah. I built a uh, like a Baja Toyota truck, and I was jumping that. And then you know, there was the form stuff and MySpace back then. Pretty oh, much. Wait, you were skip- you friends with Tom? Yeah, everybody was, actually. <laughs> weren't you? I now, was. wait a minute. Did you skip Friendster? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everybody, uh, skipped Friendster. Skipped. Yeah. Did you? No, I wasn't on it either. I just think it's funny. To I talk think you're about. a liar. I think you have a Friendster account. No, I really still don't. does. He keeps it active. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I worked on a friend's car or somebody's car and I got paid for it, what I ended up doing is I just took that money and just started buying more tools and I constantly kept doing it. And then I was getting guys. That's why you were getting thinner because <sighs> you weren't eating. No, he had no. That, he was, had that plums was and oh, walnuts. Oh, and, I got. Oh, yeah, I got you. totally fine. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so I had some guys come out from like SoCal, uh, and I did like Baja bumpers and stuff on their trucks for them because it was way cheaper to come out to the valley than have you know someone in SoCal do it at the time. I think this was right around the time my girlfriend, wife, she was graduating school, and we were debating to move to Southern California because. One, I wanted to get away from like the bag truck scene. I really, I didn't have a truck yet that was bagged. I already bagged like probably seven trucks. It was getting to the point where like someone would call me to ask, I'd quote them out and they're like, oh, so-and-so could do this in their backyard way cheaper. And it just wasn't worth it. So I wanted to come to Southern California to actually start doing off-road stuff. 
And I came out and I moved into Simi Valley in 2008 to do off-road stuff. And when I moved out here, I haven't done a single off-road car. And well, that'll teach you. Yeah. There used to be a shop in Simi called Totally Polished. And they did a ton of mini truck stuff and just slam truck back in the day. And I guess pretty much right when I moved into Simi, they just closed up. So I like filled a hole that was missing. And the sheet metal wasn't there yet. Um, but I had like the basic skills of what I taught some tools. And I ended up opening a shop in 2008 when the market crashed. You know, the best time to do that. Smart. Of course. Yeah, 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 good yeah, yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Um, And I was working for a co- I hope you bought a brand new house and got a big loan as well, yes. No, I wasn't that smart. <laughs> okay, all right. I was working for a place, uh, Custom Stainless Steel, when I first moved down here uh, in 2008. And it was an awesome job. I mean, uh, I was a TIG welder for them, and we did we had contracts with, like, Carnival Cruise Lines. And we were doing the stainless repairs in the kitchens and the bars and stuff while they were cruising. Oh, no way. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, like, I would say in the course of, like, six months, I went on, like, eight cruises. I went to the uh, Bahamas, Panama Crossing, but like, did, did you get to Did you get to get off at port and go enjoy? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've got some off-air stories. But, <laughs> so, after, we did a big job. This was probably the end, towards the end of 2008. And they underestimated the job and the company ended up going, you know, they filed bankruptcy mm. and I already had my shop for maybe two months. I've always wanted to build a 1979 or 1970 Toyota Hilux. Nice. And the people I was living with for like four years, uh, they had one. And so I finally talked him into selling it to me. And when I got laid off, and I had by, my shop. By talking him in, you mean you won around a beer pong? Uh, I wish. <laughs> I just bugged him and texted him for like two months straight till he finally agreed to sell it to me. He's like, all right, fine. Uh, yeah. Why Why Hilux? Because they're I'm awesome? I'm technically, like, I consider myself a Toyota guy. I think right now I have five Toyotas and not like the average Toyotas. All right, go through them. I want to know right. what you have. Uh, 1979 Toyota Hilux. All right, then oh, wait, next. Oh, hold on a second, hold on a second. It is, uh, hold on. Actually, it's a 1979 Toyota Lolux. Here we go. Number one. Okay. All right. So, uh, number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1984. Number two. <laughs> 1984 <laughs> yeah, okay. Toyota 4Runner. Okay. Number three. Uh, one well, key uh, fact so about that. It... Wait, hold on. One key fact about that 4Runner. Mm-hmm. I'm swapping in a 5.7 liter iForce V8. Of course you are. Yeah, because no one else has done it in a first gen yet. So, so you're so pulling out a 22R non-EFI uh, yep. and it's a solid axle truck? With fiberglass top? Yep. Rear seat? Yep. Cool. Number four. No. Number three. Oh, number three again. Yes. Okay. Number three. Better. All right. You ready? Yeah. 1986 HJ61. Ooh. I don't know what that is. Ooh. That is a, a high roof, right-hand drive diesel Land Cruiser. That's pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Wow. Where did that come from? Canada. Hmm. Well, it actually came from Japan into Canada in 91 and then went to Chicago and then came back to me. Awesome. And then I have a- Talk n- about a tractor. Number five. Yeah. No, uh, number four. Number four now. What are you talking about? This is number four. four. Number four. Okay. <laughs> All right. I have a 92 Toyota pickup, right-hand drive. Okay. Static Rad. drop, body dropped. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so that one has a 2RZ. Long bed or short bed? Short bed. Okay. 2RZ Tacoma motor. We pushed it back nine and a quarter inches. Wow, that's a lot. 
and we're doing a front mount turbo setup on that. Oh my Ooh. god! So that is my track toy. All right, I like that. How do Solid. you find time? To, I don't. Uh, you can, so how do you have customers? Oh, I have customers. It's like, that's go, why, that's go why he doesn't away. have time. No, like, I, I don't have time. <laughs> he doesn't so, have time for him. Yeah. My Suburban literally gets five hours a week. That's it. Okay. I work on it five hours a week, and the rest, if I want to work on my other personal stuff, I'll come in on a Saturday, and I'll work on my personal stuff for I a while. See. But I bill out roughly 40 to 50 hours a week on customer stuff, and then the rest is mine. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Number five. The 93 Toyota pickup that's outside. The one that we can see in the Zoom call. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. We can see it outside our window because he's in the parking lot in it doing Zoom. But <laughs> Yeah. Those are the five Toyota pickups. But I currently have 12 cars. Well, we don't have six through 12. No, yeah, I don't. So you no, guys, yeah. I, I'm, I'm out of numbers. <laughs> I can just run through. You got yeah. um, 10, uh, 9, uh, 521 Dotson pickups. Go quick. Uh, two Suburbans. Uh, an Econoline van. And there's some other stuff in there. I don't. Oh, F350 Long Bed Dually International truck. Is that? We're good. <laughs> That's the first time a guest has ever given up on us mid-show. That, that was awesome. Do you think uh, he's going to leave now? He's like, he's out. No, he's not going to leave. He drove down from- I mean, uh, hang up on Zoom? He drove down from Canada, wherever he lives. Yeah, Canada. <laughs> is it Ventura LA's hat? <laughs> no, Ventura is LA's secret garden. Oh, secret is that what garden. it is? <laughs> so you leave uh, Nelson Racing Engines- well, and, and no, you skipped a section here. I did? Oh, there's a big section. Oh. All right, so I moved to Simi Valley, mm-hmm. and I built the Hilux. Oh, yeah. Now, this is important. So I built the Hilux, and I took it to uh, West Coast Nationals. I built the truck in 30 days, and I just have n- never touched it ever since because it's sad, and I got busy. But I brought it back. It was sitting outside my shop, and Nick, the owner of Red Zone, Drove by my shop. That's the adult film company? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. All right. Um, Drove by my (laughs) shop, and I hear these brakes lock up. He locked up his brakes, slammed it in reverse, and came back and drove to talk to me about the truck because he saw it sitting out the side of the shop. Wait a minute. Is this the guy that uh, drove his truck and parked uh, really abruptly between two ServPro vehicles Mm. behind your your shop recently? No, no, no. That uh, That was somebody else. You yeah. got to you got to go to Empire Fabrication on Instagram and watch a guy crash right behind well, Sean's shop. <laughs> you have to go a week before that video and look at the first part of the video where the guy dive bombs the railroad tracks twice and then blows out his radiator and then comes around and then my neighbor today just gave me the rest of the video where he crashed. It's all closed circuit <laughs> TV video. It's yeah. just, it's it's epic. It's awesome. So this guy screeches his brakes, comes over to your shop and says? So he just started talking to me about the truck. And, you know, he introduced himself, told me he had a shop down the street, and we talked for a while. And then about, you know, I would say two weeks later, I started working for him full time. And it was like I was still learning in my shop. But when I went and I started working for him, I learned the importance of TIG welding sheet metal versus MIG welding sheet metal. And so that was the beginning for the whole sheet metal aspect that I've got now. And then, you know, mid, I would say I worked there for about a year and a half. 
and he started getting slow. And then he uh, Nelson ended up buying out him, and he went to work for Nelson. And <laughs> sorry, I'm watching uh, Empire underscore f- uh, Fabrication on Instagram. It's a it's good video, isn't it? That's awesome. <laughs> you gotta uh, go back and watch the first one. The best part though is that it looks like it's a full size Chevy, and he's between a, a Pro Master and a Box Van Surf Pro, and uh, <laughs> he just got out. He's like drunk and wandering off. But it looks like so. Imagine a parking spot, uh, three in a row with a tree, and then a chain link fence. And he comes in hot, probably about twenty five, thirty miles an hour, and hits the tree and bounces off. And bounces off, literally stopping. It didn't break at all. And then just sits there for a minute before stumbling out, looking around and no, stumbling off. No, no, you off. missed it because he, he goes hits again it, and he goes back. And into then it he's again. like, you know what? I'm gonna try this again. And then he rams it again. And there he goes. <laughs> wow. What happened with the dude? Like, he was just drunk? So, from that video, he ended up walking out to the main road, passing out in the street, <laughs> and then the cops ended up arresting him, and he got a DUI. Gotcha. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going sideways on the railroad tracks. Uh, now he's squirrely. Now he's back on the tracks. Oh, yeah. And he, oh, he just almost missed the white so, Toyota. Out of the camera, he goes around, does like a 360 in the dirt, almost hits the trash can, and you'll see the dust cloud come back up on the camera. Oh, yeah. There, right there, there. Comes. and then he comes back by with his like radiator coolant just dumping out the back. Of- <laughs> yeah, Empire underscore fabrication. <laughs> there you go. All right, so uh, when uh, Nick got slow, Nelson bought him out. I ended up going to work for uh, Hollywood Hot Rods. In my time there, I had a lot of time to just hone in the sheet metal aspect. Troy gave me a lot of free will with design work on the cars, um, and I just really just pushed myself. And during that whole time, I was still doing contract work with Nelson and then any other friends. I always tried to work with people that were better than me so I can always learn. Also, I had my shop this whole time, all the way from the beginning. And so I was working at Hollywood and I was there. uh, I was doing four tens there. And then I'd come home at like seven o'clock, eat dinner with my wife, go back to my shop at like 830 ish. And then I'd work from 830 till two in the morning and then do it all over again. Wow. And I did that for pretty much those seven years. And then during SEMA times were always messed up because that's when uh, Tom Nelson would call me up, would be for SEMA. So then I would be working on a SEMA car that Troy had at Nelson or at Hollywood. And then I would get off there and I'd work my weekends at Nelson's shop. And I would do like 36 hours in a weekend and then go back to Hollywood and do my hours at Hollywood, and then I'd go back and do nights at Nelson's. Entrepreneur, no one said it was easy. Oh, yeah. man, it. this is the first time this last year when I left Nelson's last November to get my chassis ready for SEMA, I have not worked a six-hour or a six-day week since then. You can tell he's getting animated because he's tapping on the desk, which you can hear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there I go again. Yeah. I mean, I was working seven days a week, some days taking Sundays off, and I did it for seven years, and my wife put up with it. During that time, did it upset you, the guys that were doing nine-to-fives and complaining about it? Or were you like, dude, you're never going to amount to anything, you've just, you're, you're just going to clock in and clock out? It, it didn't make me mad or any of that. Uh, I just, I always looked at that person that didn't want to put that extra time is those are going to be the guys, like, they say they want to do it, but they're not going to, they don't want to, like, be it. I mean, I wanted to get as good as I possibly could, so I put in as much time as I possibly could in, and I worked with as many talented people as I possibly could in the amount of time given in a week. And I have know guys that are, they go to work, and, like, 
I worked with one guy, great, talented guy, but like he'd go in and you know he'd clock in at the beginning of the day, and then he would we'd get an hour lunch, and he would just sleep his entire lunch. He would eat for like five minutes and then just sleep, set an alarm, and then like eight o'clock, boom, clock out. When I was going to Nelson or Hollywood, uh, I had the key there. Troy trusted me. This was like five years in, and I was going in like two hours before everybody else in the morning, and I was I was doing I think three twelves. It was just making it easier. And so I was going in in the morning before everybody. I was there two hours before everybody. I would take maybe a 20, 30 minute lunch, if that. And then I was there. Lunches, at the are, s- lunches are lame. Lunches are lame. Work through it. I mean, sack, sack up and work through your lunch. Like, That's what I said. Well, yeah, but I, if he's, he's not sleeping, he, at least he needs some not, food. No, I mean, even, even now, like at my shop, like our lunches are, I'm, I really like, I give my guy an hour lunch, but I rarely ever take an hour lunch because, I mean, half the times, I'll just eat a burrito. I cook it, and I can work and hold it at the same time. Time is too precious. How many uh, burrito fingerprints are on the vehicles coming out of Empire Fab, do you think? <laughs> You'd be surprised. So I red call- sauce, a little bit of uh, burrito juice. <laughs> so, like, That's I always weird, talk about- burrito juice- You're right. Yeah, yeah. they're playing- a, It's a small border <laughs> town by- uh, Yeah, nobody really knows now, about yeah. them, but they're big. Yeah, burrito juice. Yeah, so my, my perfect week- is where I can eat at least one burrito a day. You know, matter it be for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And I've had a few perfect weeks. And what really helps is I have a Mexican restaurant in my shop complex. Which, that does help. Yeah. It actually is bad also at the same time. It, it, it can be very bad. I mean, but... How's their salsa? Because I judge all Mexican food places by the quality of salsa. It's good, but... Not great. Mm, it's not great. Right. That's a bummer. Yeah. So let's get into uh, Empire. You've got Wait, 80... before we do that, can we get into how he found us in the beginning and why he still listens? I think we need to finish up his career first. No, I want to break right in the middle and, uh, and, and change gears and then come back to Empire. It's a natural break. Because we need to do the Back to the Future sound again. Right. Well, three times in the show. Well, not now, but when he goes to talk about Empire. Now we're just going to find out why he listens to the show and how he found us. How did that happen and why? So, you had a, you had a huge error in judgment. Uh, it wasn't my judgment. So I was a passenger. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, my my buddy Eric Biggie, we he came ah, with er- me. Eric G. Yeah. Wait, Eric, known as Big E, is actually Eric G. That's correct. I'm right, yes. checking. Yeah. yeah. When I initially bought my '73 Suburban, I got it with a '77 K10, and Eric had a transport truck that he was working with or whatever. It was like a crew cab international flatbed. And so he went with me and we went to Oakhurst to pull these two trucks out of this guy's field. When we were on our way back, he's like, oh, let's listen to this podcast. You know, one of our negative camber brothers is on it. So let's take a listen to it. It was, I believe, the very first episode. And so I listened to it. And Wait, is hold on a second. I don't know about Eric. Is he negative camber as well? Yeah. Eric is? Yeah. For how long? Uh, for a long time, but not when when I when I first met him was he in, was seventeen. You told me, yeah, and he wasn't negative. No, so uh, Eric, I don't know if you ever remember seeing this around, or you might have saw it at SEMA. He got uh, it was a dollar car from Ford way back when, and it was a big Eddie Bowers uh, excursion. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, and so they took that four wheel drive Eddie Bowers excursion. And slammed it flat on the ground and made it a two-door excursion. 
And it was the it was famous. I mean, the truck is still around. A lot of press. Oh yeah, yeah. The truck is still around. I think it's green now. And so that was Eric's truck, and totally polished. And Simi Valley built that truck uh, back then, and that was the truck that got Eric into negative camber. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so you so, can you can buy your way in is what you're saying? No, you can build your way in. Oh, build yeah, your way build in. Build that, your way in. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm gonna be now now I'm a marked man. They're yeah. gonna come uh, after me. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even gonna make it home. Yeah, you might make it home. Yeah, there, there's Enjoy you'll that make last... it home depending. I mean, there's not that many negative camera guys out here in California still. Enjoy that uh, ride home. Your last one. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> how did you uh, How did you make it in a negative camber? So I had the the Hilux, which was I had the Hilux and then the the Rabbit. Both of those are uh, badged with negative camber stickers, and but it was originally the Hilux, and it was uh, six years ago, roughly. Were you asked to join, or did you find them? No, I found them. So I have two of my buddies were in negative camber, and then uh, one of my other really good friends I've worked on his truck a few times. He was in negative camber, and I just I really liked the way that negative camber presented themselves, like during just the whole shows, the way the trucks are set up. All the trucks that were in negative camber I felt like were just really clean and tasteful. They weren't too out there and wild. They were just clean i mean a lot I think of the cool trucks too because a lot of the guys instead of having the teardrop uh, on their uh, under their eye they have an airbag now you're really little, gonna get off on the way home <laughs> <laughs> he knows i love the negative camera guys yeah but what happens if you have really big really tall airbags and you overfill them and then you go positive camber i don't it won't happen no it doesn't happen <laughs> no because if you it does if you have eye beams yeah <laughs> but no one bags rangers with eye beams Cut that shit off and (laughs) put Toyota front clips on them. Uh, Eric puts on the podcast and you're like, what is this crap? Turn it off. But you stick with it and... Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. I mean, I was like, man, (laughs) these guys are horrible. The jingles suck. I mean, all this stuff. I was like, dude, this is bad. Nothing's changed. We're equally as bad in person as you can see. Yeah. You know, what I really think it is, though, is like one of those mind things like, you know, the, those hidden devil songs where you play it backwards and the devil talks to you? Backward masking? Yeah, like, I think you guys have that in your jingles. Really? Huh. Yeah, I mean. Wouldn't that be weird? And it's just like, you know, it just it drew More me in. More podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, you just keep listening. <laughs> yeah. We're like uh, an Iron Maiden song. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. Huh. Yeah, so when I got back, I was like, when's the next one? When's the next one? I can't wait. Can't wait. And we've been doing one a week since then, or more. Literally, since that day. Yeah, we're morons. Yeah, we haven't... I, what do we do, take uh, one week off in the last two and a half years? I actually think this was the first podcast I listened to before Ronnie. Oh, and, so you got into oh, other podcasts. Yeah, uh, I think yours was before Ronnie's. Okay, and well, then I went and I started like we're taking credit for sending you to Ronnie for a change. Then, yeah, y- you guys can take that one. All right, and C10 Talk is a good show. I mean, no, he's Ronnie's got a awesome. Good, yeah, good, great podcast. We love Ronnie. He's yeah, funny. Then, he's quick. Uh, so uh, on the last one, you guys just met Solomon. I mean, haven't met him, but he left a voicemail on the last episode. I heard. Yeah, right. Are you guys gonna uh, get him F100? on F100? We yeah. should probably do that. Yeah, Solomon's a good guy. Okay, done a lot of stuff with him. I mean, you need to talk to him just because your truck. Let's not go there. You know, it's it's not, a sad I mean, this was, this, was so, this was going great right up into this point of the uh, interview. We can't talk about his truck anymore. I, it is sad. I mean, but if he makes you feel any better, mm. I mean, my Hilux has been parked since, like, 2010. So 10 years. Yeah, it doesn't actually and, make me feel better. And <laughs> if you look at my Instagram and you go back and you find a picture of the Hilux, 
My roof got caved in. I saw that. That was tell us that story. So <laughs> Lightning's trying to get anything off the topic of my truck right now. Yeah, it's just <laughs> tough to talk about these days. When I moved from Simi Valley, my wife got a job up in Ojai, and I was still working in Burbank at Hollywood. So we moved to like Santa Paula, towards the back side of it. And the house that we had didn't have a garage, so I had my Hilux outside wrapped up in a tarp. The neighbors behind us were druggies, and they got raided one day from the cops. Guy jumped over our fence. We have two Great Danes and a Newfoundland. The guy ran through my backyard. Dog scares the shit out of me, runs up, jumps on our decks, jumps onto our roof, goes over the front of the roof, and then jumps off the front of the roof onto my Hilux, which is covered in a blue tarp. And I walk over there, and, like, it looks like my roof is just missing. Like, completely gone. And I uncover it, and it is literally, the roof is just caved down and sitting in the seat of the Hilux. Oh, no, wait a minute. It had no interior skeleton? Part of owning a shop is you work on your car, and then you get busy, and then you don't work on your stuff anymore. And I chopped this truck, and literally, uh, we got the roof metal finished, and then I never put the inner structure back in it. After, like, the chop. I needed to lay out the back window, and then we were going to put all the inner structure in and finish it all up. And I never did. And so there was no structure. So when he, like, literally, someone could have dropped a watermelon on the thing, and it probably would have just collapsed. Because, I mean, it's Toyota metal. It's, like, 22-gauge. Yeah, so I ended up, like, beating it back up with some rocks that I had at my house because all my tools are at the shop. And it looks pretty good. It's just really, it's wavy. It says (laughs) hi every time I walk, walk past it. That's, That's unfortunate. That story also sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I quit Hollywood, and I go to do my shop full time, but I run into a dilemma, and that is the shop is too small for the amount of customers I have in the shop and the amount of li- billing limits I could bill my customers. Wait, billing? What? I don't understand. So in my old shop, I had four cars in the shop. And everybody normally has, like, until I was getting the higher-end customers, some of these guys only have, like, $1,500 a month limits, you know, at the time. Oh. Like, billing limits. So, I didn't have enough room to get a bigger job in, So, and I couldn't find anybody. I mean, hiring a fabricator these days, a talented one, is just extremely hard. So, I did my shop for four months. And then my buddy Nick, who used to have Red Zone, then went to Nelson's. He left, and now he works at Tesla Design Studio. And so... So he's not coming back to fab up uh, trucks. Definitely not. Uh, So he called me in on a contract, and I did a 40-day contract at Tesla working on a prototype for the Model 3. And I got a taste of that, and I didn't like it. It was... I did aerospace... For like a month in between like Hollywood and Morgaster. But uh, Tesla was literally aerospace with cars. I mean, it was just blueprints and dots and cut here, cut here. And there was no creativity. I hated it. And so when that 40-day, like that contract was up, I was I was out of there. And then uh, I went back to my shop. I got a call from a Foos. And I drove out there for an interview. Did Chip actually call no, you? No, it was his main guy. Okay. Yeah, his, his guy called me. They uh, were looking for a fabricator, and they found out I left Hollywood, and so they called me out there, and I went out there. And Was this to go work at Foos or on one work, of the shows? Work at Foos. Oh, okay. But the, the drive is just too much, and my wife's job, 
she works at like a Montessori school. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know those. Yep. And so my kids, like she works off the kids' tuition, and I have three kids. Yeah, Montessori is like, awesome. Your kids come out way smarter at Montessori. Yeah, uh, it's like three grand for their tuition. Oh, yeah. We had to pay for it. But so she works there and works off the tuition, and there's no way I'm moving. I mean, that's just it. Yeah. And so the drive to Foos was just going to be too ridiculous. And so I turned it down. But when I did, uh, one of uh, Nelson's employees, his dad worked for Foos, found out, uh, told his buddy uh, Romero that was at Nelson's that I was there and had Tom call me. And on my way back, Nelson called me up. And like I came down there and Nelson offered me a job like on my way back from Chips. And it was just ridiculous good. So I was like, all right, let's do this. So I did a uh, two-year contract at Nelson's full-time from there. And then during that time, I got a bigger shop in Ventura, closer to where I live now, which gave me everything I needed space-wise to bring in, you know, a higher value customer and stuff like that. And so when I left Nelson's, I picked up two really good customers with good limits now. And so I think I have six cars in the shop, one employee, and I'm still looking for another one. And, uh... It takes about a month and a half, and we cycle through all the cars in the, the shop. And, I mean, I physically can't bill everybody's limit now, which is good. And we're just going through, and we have we have a lot of cool projects going on in the shop right now. Name one. Oh, wait, wait before you go, oh. to, I do want to hear about the projects, because there are a couple in there that I know about that I think are going to be, our listeners are going to dig. But I don't understand how the limits thing works. So that sounds like a really crappy position to put you in, because it's like a layaway program. I, so... It's not really a layaway. Like, I try to work with my customers. But Our, it seems like if I'm a customer, it's not good because you might take eight years to finish it. Well, And if, then for you, it might not be enough money to live on per customer. No. I mean, it works out. Like, if you're my customer, the thing is, is if you have the money and you're good to go, I mean, I'll do three weeks right on the car right, right in there. But, like... Let's say I have some customers that have a 10K month limit and then like others that are eight. And then I have other guys that are like $2,000. I can work $2,000 off in four days. I mean, actually two days. I mean, I'm doing 10 hour days. Our hourly rate's 105. So, I mean, the hours go up. It's like an fast. attorney. You know, there's certain things like I have different rates for different things. Like my metal finishing, I'm fast at. So I charge 125 for metal finishing. But like everybody's like, oh, that's expensive, but you're not paying. You know, I mean, well, this we, is the thing about you're hourly paying rate. For my experience in the I last just 15 say that. years exactly. to get as fast you're as I am. You're not paying for the hour. You're paying for the reason you're able to make everything happen within that hour. Correct. And a lot of customers don't realize that. They don't realize that the hourly rate doesn't signify the hour spent on their time or on their car. It signifies the experience that enables somebody to use that time on their vehicle. Correct. And so, like, I, I don't really like if I'm doing five hours of like template and pattern making, I'll bill for two hours. I don't bill for all the template and pattern making. And if I'm building tools for like the pull max, I bill for the tooling time and then I bill for the setup time. And then it's just, you know, I'll tune it in myself and my time. But like, so there's the two rates. There's, uh, you know, the metal finishing rate and then like the full build rate. You have the customers that are dropping 50K, like they tend to get better deals than a guy that's coming in that's going to spend $5,000 on just rust repair kind of a thing. And the full builds, for the most part, I'm only taking on cars where the customer, I feel really good with the customer, and the customer kind of gives me free range. Because I like, I pretty much, I like almost every car out there. I don't mind building anything. There's a few things. I probably wouldn't build a donk. But, <laughs> I mean, I'll, 
a 6-4 Impala all day on Dayton's, I'm all over that. And But, like, I have such a wide variety of builds in my shop right now. And I had a buddy message me, and he said, the one thing, like, he loves about my shop is it doesn't matter what vehicle it is. It still gets the top quality as a high-end hot rod. Just some examples. Right now in the shop, I have a 1981 Toyota Starlet. That's cool. Oh, no way. And this car... Like, we joke around and we call it the $60,000 Starlet. And it's guaranteed it's probably right around that point. I mean, it's it's pretty much a brand new car all said and done. It's, you know, we took a Starlet and we did hot rod stuff to a Starlet. And it's got quality mellow work and motor swap. And it's just, you know, a really nice engine bay. Was it good to start with? It was. was it it, the funny thing is this car originally came in for a moonroof delete. That was it. He just it had a sunroof and he was like I don't want the sunroof. So what's the swap like a two JZ or something like that? No. Or? So we went three uh, SGE, which is a Toyota Beams motor, and then uh, one of my buddies we did the uh, built the full exhaust system for it. We're prototyping right now the intake and to go ITBs from a blacktop four uh, AGE, but we flipped the four AGEs one eighty to put the TPS in the back to hide it. And then it puts the uh, throttle cable on the bottom instead of being top exposed. So it hides everything, makes the engine just look cleaner. So we did that, but it's got a full custom firewall. It's got a metal, like, tier D style wing that we, like, we bead rolled this, like, the bleh face in it. Just as a jo- I did it. I didn't even tell the customer. I just did it. And then I'm, I just sent him a picture of it, and he loves it. It's, like, his favorite part on the car. But it's, like, it fits that car. I would never do that to the other car we have in the shop, which is a 49 shoebox, you know, convertible. That's a pure hot rod. You know, I try to build all the cars tastefully for what their genre is. But, like, so we have that Toyota Starlet. Then I have a 65 Corvair Monza that we did a bunch of rust repair on, metal finishing, and then we just did a 6-inch wide body on it. All metal finished, and it's just, you know, and then we're going to tuck narrow the bumpers on that, and he's debating to do a motor swap. Then there's a uh, a 93 Toyota 4Runner in there with a 4.7 iForce V8 motor from a Tundra, and it's linked front and back, and we're doing the sheet metal work for that, doing the custom. Pretty much we're going to make the fenders look stock, just opened up big enough to fit the 40s. Oh, that's cool. And then uh, got a 67 Alfa Romero. That's kind of a restoration, but we're doing some hot rod stuff to that. Yeah, you are all over the map. Yeah, uh, we've got a 62 Econoline Vuck. Watch your language. This is a truck show podcast. Yeah. All um, ages. Yeah, well, that's what they call it. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, the Econoline <laughs> truck, but apparently they call it a Vuck. It's a van truck. Yeah. Oh, truck. I see. Oh, 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 V, you see. I gotcha. Yeah, okay. the Vuck. So we have a 62 Econoline Vuck in there. I just got in today a 83 K5 Blazer. Nice. For some rust repair. And then there's my 73 uh, Suburban that takes up almost the whole shop. How often do you get vehicles in there that are too rusty to actually deal with? Um, so I have people send me some stuff, and I'm mm. just like, hmm. eh, I don't really want to touch that. Yeah. And a lot of the times, like, I tell people, if I'm doing rust repair, I'm doing it how the factory, like, to where you can't tell. Mm-hmm. And most people just like, oh, just throw a piece of metal on it, weld it up, and then ship it. And I'm like, like, no, my no. name's on that. Exactly. Because even if you're okay with it, if somebody, if your buddy sees that, and you go, oh, yeah, dude, shot over at Empire, took care of this, then they're going to go, screw that guy. And you, that's, not the, uh, that's not the marketing you want out in the world. Yeah, so everything leaves my shop in bare metal. Nothing leaves painted. Really? 
I don't I don't do that's any, unusual. I don't do any paint and body. So any of the work that I do on that car leaves in bare metal. And so I try to finish everything. What I say to myself is like 75, 85%. The average person looks at it and says it's like 110. Like I'll, a lot of the stuff I do is just ready for filler, primer, and blocking. I was never good at body work and paint. And so I always sought after to have my metal work be as good as possible. So I didn't have to do it. And like I've shaved stuff for guys and they just use filler primer and then they get the car vinyl wraps. One of my buddies does the vinyl wrapping, and so he'll send me work all the time to just shave antennas and keyholes. And they just literally just primer and vinyl wrap right over it. When's the last time you turned down a, uh, a client? He brought in... I uh, probably don't turn down anybody. It's more of... Um, the I don't want to do it price? The I don't want to <laughs> do it price? Yeah, no. It's... I tell it like... So I tell people... <laughs> this is going to come back and kick me in the ass. But So depending on what it is, if it's a job that I really like and I'm like, all right, this is going to be cool. The customer feels like he's going to give me free range to design this how I would if it was my car. Then I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'll tell him like three to four months. And I'll make room and I'll get it in if it's something serious. If it's something where I'm like, I don't know if this guy's serious. And you can tell. You can always tell. Like, And so I'll tell them, you know, I'm like eight months to nine months out. And then they're like, oh, they'll, you know, they'll go look somewhere else. And then you tell them the hourly rate and what it is. And that scares a lot of people away. Lightning claims that you have a Nissan hard body that you're working on. Is I, this true? I do. So you're going to have to dig a little bit. All right. I'm uh, digging on the Instagram. And is wait, this Nissan hard body, Sean, owned by one of our listeners? Right there. Right there. Oh, there it is. Yes, it is. So going back uh, to that show, you went out Alpine? Yeah. Was that relaxed? Is that the Nissan? Relaxed atmosphere. Is yes. that the relaxed, Nissan tailgate yeah. logo that's been Frenched into the back of the, uh, the cab? It is. That's pretty sweet. So that's a whole new back wall. Yeah. And then we transitioned the body line all the way around the back wall, redid the window flange. So is that when the bed is up in the air, you don't lose the body line and still have it look all smooth and nice? Yeah, I don't like afterthoughts. I try to plan out at least four to five steps in advance. So relaxed atmosphere is, you know, they throw relaxing in SoCal. Sadly, they're not doing it anymore. But uh, I believe he's the president of the SoCal one, which is Juan. And this is his truck. He bought this truck brand new. I want to say it's an 87 when he was in high school. And he's had it this whole time? And you're making it his dream truck, finally, after all these years. No. Oh. He bought it brand new in 87. I think this truck, and then it was static dropped. It was red originally, static dropped. And then it got built in, I want to say the early 90s, and it was like hardcore show truck. And it was like... I think it had a vinyl roof. I found the owner's gram, and I'm scrolling through it to see if I can find a picture of what it used so to look gonna like. So it's going to be s- like a bluish silver, and it was full lowrider truck, like indoor lowrider truck. So it had a gallon gas can under the dash, and like the fill was in the engine bay, and the frame was chromed, and like it wasn't a driver. It was just a show truck. Sure. And so he's had a few other builds, and now he is planning on... Uh, he wants to get it to where he could daily drive it and bring it up to date. So he brought me the truck and we sandblasted it. And literally it had like three firewalls and two back walls. It's just over the years, they just put flat pieces of metal over existing walls. <laughs> and when we took the truck, it was it weighed so much. It was so much Bondo. And so we ended up skinning out the whole back wall, remade the back wall. Uh, we threw the original doors away, put new doors on and reshaved them. 
And then we skinned out literally the whole front of the firewall, just took the whole firewall and the whole front clip and just threw it away. And so he wanted to keep the cab because it was his first cab, his Vins, his, you know, everything. So he bought a parts truck. That's it, I think. I think I found it. Show lightning here. Yeah, I'm going to see it. Oh, yeah, look at that. The uh, the chrome fender lips on there, yeah. Now, was that just a dump or is that a scissor bed? That's just a dump. Okay. And so I'm hey, trying to talk I him mean, in. you don't have to desecrate the guy's car. <laughs> I'm trying to talk him into a fourth stage right now. Left, so, right, it's dump, left, right, and forward? No, wait, what? No, it's a, uh, so dump, up, yeah, left, and right, and right, and up. Okay. So it's up high, and yeah, so it's, but you could do it, I mean, there's guys that do the fourth stage that's just dump, forward, dump, forward. But I want to go side, side, back, front. So that's uh, yeah, the crazy origami going on there. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to talk him into it. So he's actually dropping off the donor truck uh, either this Saturday or next Saturday, and we're gonna get it in. And first thing we're gonna do is skin the uh, the firewall out of the the other cab. We'll put it into this one, and then. We're going to drop it on, and I think we're going to do a stock floor body drop, and then we're building the whole chassis for him and just make it a reliable driver now that's just a bagged. And I think he's going to be doing uh, 16 or 17-inch Fook wheels, just old-school status. <laughs> How many times— And that's different than Vuk, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it is. How many times has he bought this truck? Meaning— Yeah, a lot. <laughs> he, he paid, like, probably, what, seven, six eight, grand, six, yeah. seven grand for that truck new, and he's probably put— 150 grand into it since then? Oh, I don't know if he's gotten that far. No? I mean, these are mini trucks we're talking about. Okay, I right. mean, there's a few 150 yeah, you grand mini remember, trucks out there. Nobody spent any labor to pull the old uh, rear wall out of the cab. They just uh, all right, welded all right. over. Yeah, I mean, and this was done in the 90s. I mean, shop rates back then were probably like 40 bucks an hour. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. But uh, it's going to be a really cool truck when it's done. And we're doing, we're doing a lot of just simple little details, but they're all just clean. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, to make it really look like it should have been there. I mean, if a truck has a scissor bed, the body line should wrap around, in my opinion. That'd just be what yeah, the dealership sure. would do. You know, and there's some other details on the cab, like, which was done in the 90s. Someone radius the cab corners. So we did that same thing onto the new doors. And then uh, we're going to change the body line on the fenders. The body line has three main lines. You got your out, your lower, and then your in line. And we're going to take that lower line and it's going to run down and dive onto the bumper, and then we're going to transition the bead around on the bumper. So when you look at, like, I'd say a Tacoma bumper, it's got that step lip in the front. Yeah. We're going to add that to – we're putting a 4 bumper on this. I'll add that step lip to the 4 bumper, and that bead will roll off the fenders, up onto the fenders, and around. You do know in cardboard, like, how, how do you create all the templates and whatnot? So I took molds off of the body lines – and I'll make Pullmax dies off the body lines so I can recreate the exact line. A what die? Pullmax. I don't know what that is. That's a do-whatever-you-want machine. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a, so they're, it's a reciprocating, like, stamping shearing machine from, like, the 50s. Okay. And uh, you pretty much you can make whatever tooling you want for it. I mean, it's endless what you could do with that thing. I think over the last six, seven years I've had it, I just make a cardboard template or a mold I give it to my water jet guy, and I just cut out the dies out of water jet, clean them up, and I mean I've got dies. I got dies for all the OBS Chevy body lines. I've got dies for the hard body body lines, the Forerunners, just anything I get into my shop, I'll get. I'll make dies for them if I'm going to be doing custom stuff. Right. And it's like with the trucks. So we did an OBS truck, 
91 Chevy single cab. We chopped it uh, two and an eighth inches. Here's one on eBay. That's not it. Oh, okay. That's I, was a, look, I was looking at the price going, holy <laughs> shit. Shut you down. That's uh, not it. That's a, so this is the this guy? shape. Yeah, that's a Pullmax. Okay, so guess how much you can get your own Pullmax for on eBay right now. That's a good price. That's what I paid for mine. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. 25 grand? No. no. Five, five grand. Oh. Yeah, it's not that bad. Oh, okay. They, they range. I mean, back in the day, you used to get them for scrap metal prices. What happened and what screwed it up for everybody is Jesse James. I mean, uh, because yeah, he, he started likes old using, machines. He started using vintage tools yeah. for everything. Yeah, I mean, and that's up. what it was. Is like, and he was using it, and but he was on TV, so everybody was seeing. And it's like before that, yeah, pull maxes you can get it out of the scrapyard for five hundred bucks for scrap metal prices. And it's like my shop is full of just vintage sheet metal tools. Some of those are the best machines ever made. Yeah, we uh, were talking to Andy Lilenthal over at Warren, and they've got uh, World War II era machines that are cutting the gears mm-hmm. into. You know, for the winches and stuff, right there in in Oregon. Yeah. All these years later. So I mean, I I'm looking for another one. I'd like to get another pull max, because I just I hate changing tools. I mean, there's like there's a few tools that I use almost on a daily basis with the pull max, and it'd be nice to have at least one or two more pull maxes and just keep those tools set up in them. So we make a lot of uh, wheel tubs for like the C10s and stuff. Yeah, I heard you're making them for some guys that we know, right? Or can you talk about that? Yeah, so I'm a, I am make a, all the tubs for uh, Delmo, for okay. like all his engine bay tubs. I've been making those for the last seven years. We're prototyping right now some F100 ones for the unibodies, and I have another truck coming in that we're making front tubs for. Because I normally have to test into three trucks before I could sell a product, just to make sure it's going to be sellable. <coughs> C20. <coughs> um, you, don't have, no, you don't have good enough metal to even weld one to. Oh, they're bolting, so it's okay. Yeah, no, oh, I mean, well, it's going to... So you have to put a big backing plate yeah, so it say, covers huge, the rust holes. Huge washers. I'm yeah. starting with air, basically. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm worried for dust. you. <laughs> the problem with that thing going down the freeway is parts of it blow off in dust and find dust particles it's as true. it's driving. Yeah, so it's getting did, lighter, which is going to give you better gas mileage. Did you see a Guardians the of the Galaxy? Um, I'm sorry, no, it's uh, uh, Avengers. The, the, the last, those are the, the same, last one, okay, right? yeah. So the last Avengers... Where um, when Thanos turns to dust like ash, that's my truck going. Let's down rename the your truck Thanos. Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, you've seen a picture of the C20. Yeah. Is it? Uh, does, it have, does it have any hope? I think it has a lot of hope. There's there's a lot of really cool features that I like on it that I think are really going to be if ex- executed well. Okay, so now we haven't, as you may or may not know, we haven't divulged any of those uh, features. Yeah. No one's seen the renderings yet. I've, I've, you know, posted a teaser. That's about it. Just a kind of a flyover of the bed. Mm-hmm. But uh, at, at some point, I hope to roll more of those photos out because Jeffrey Transu did a masterful rendering, mm-hmm. I think. I've seen a lot of renderings, and I think it's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I'm curious if you think we can actually pull it off. Oh, it's easy. Really? I mean... Every job that's ever came into my shop, doesn't matter what it was, you know, can you do this? Yeah, I can do it. I Cause, never cause said you're not no. afraid to learn. I'm not afraid. Yeah, exactly. And if I have to do a bunch of research, so this is kind of a little sidebar. I had a guy hit me up and I made titanium heat shield covers for a Morgan three-wheeler. Okay. He called a bunch Those of places. Those cool. And no one would even attempt to shape titanium. I was like, screw this. I'm going for it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So I learned a ton about titanium 
you know, there's different stages and like S, I think it was S1 or A1 or something like that, but there's different numbers like aluminum. And so ideally you want to get the softest number, which is what I did. And so I made, I built a bender for it. We made a roller and we water jet our templates out and I bought like a bunch of test pieces of titanium and started rolling just to see what spring back was. Finally, we got something that worked and I mean, I made titanium heat shields. And was the dude stoked? Oh, he was just, yeah, blown away. No one would do it for him. It, he was patient with me because I was still working full-time at Hollywood or Nelson's at the time. It just, it took a while because, like I said, I was just buying a bunch of just different titaniums and testing stuff. And then we finally found some and I ended up buying some aerospace stuff online that I could get in a big enough sheet. Gave it to my water jet guy. And the, the one thing I learned is when I did it, we had to do it. And I left these like four to five inch tabs because they, the way we rolled it, I didn't have any way to lock it down and grab it because the spring back was wanting to pull it right out. So I had these long tabs that we clamped down back. We're able to roll past 90 and I had a mark to where it was going to spring back. And then after we made it, we just cut the tabs off and cleaned it up. I mean, there's, there was like, that's one job that I just, I spent a ton, lot of time just learning it. As so I, I say, you, you had education in doing that job. Yeah. Why did the guy have to have titanium? Just that's what he wanted. So he was having the whole, the whole exhaust was getting built out of titanium. And so he just wanted the guards because the factory was just factory steel powder coated black. And so he wanted to have a titanium heat guard uh, to match the brand new titanium exhaust that he just had built and blued. Gotcha. That's sweet. Of all the builds that you've done for customers, which is your favorite? I I really like the Starlet because, I mean, any of the big builds, because the customers are letting me build them the way I want to build them. So I feel like they're my trucks. And, uh, but... Like the Starlet, I've pretty much had almost, I would say 90% free range on that. And it's exactly how I would do it. The Starlet and then the 91 Chevy truck. Like the customer let me chop it and he let me chop it my way, which no one's ever done before. And I think it's one of the cleanest chops on an OBS truck. I tried to give this guy deals because he spent so much money with me and he absolutely refused. Like I'd give him his invoice and he'd be like, oh, you're like 700 short here. And I'm like, no, dude, it's Christmas time. Thanks. And he's like, no, dude, you work this. You earn this. Like, he's one of my best customers I I've ever I wish there were had. more customers like that. Right. <laughs> I love this. Like, literally my best customers. And I'm stoked his truck's coming back for to get the finished work. But that truck, I think just design and style-wise, it's just such a clean OBS truck. And if that truck ever came up for sale on the market, if you ever decided to sell it, I'd try my hardest probably to buy that truck. Yeah. Because it is just, I mean... There's ridiculous amount of that time says and a labor lot when into you the have bed. Such a varied amount of you know different vehicles, but also volume that you still have your eyes and heart set on at least one or two that have gone out the shop door where you thought to yourself, I'd, I'd take that one back. Yeah, I mean, it. like I said, it's just the fact that I try to get the customers that are going to let me do what I want to do. And I don't mix the styles. I like I mix the the quality of work I put into cars that never get that quality of work. But I keep the style of that car with the style of that car. Like the face we put in the Starlet would never go into anything else in the shop because it wouldn't fit in any of the So the you're shop. doing a fair amount of research into the backstory of some of these cars that you've like you probably weren't a Starlet fan, right? The guy rolls in with Starlet well, like, I mean, he's a Toyota I was, guy though. I was I was I liked Starlets. They were on my list okay. with I okay. I mean everybody's got a list and I got a big one. And there's a few Toyotas on that list, yeah. but that's what she said. <laughs> it's a little late on that. Another thing, like in the like, I do my research on the builds, kind of a thing. So, like the Starlet, 
it had when we shaved the engine bay and we were building out the new firewall i was looking in the engine bay and there's these three stampings in the engine bay that are on both sides of the side panels now we left the stampings there but we shaved everything else in the engine bay for two reasons one trd toyota racing development is the three stripes now so when we did or when we built the firewall we did the same three stripes on the firewall which matched the factory three stripes in the beads on the engine base they might not have been there for toyota racing development but it works so that's why like the three stripes there and i've had people walk into the shop and they see the firewall and then they see the ones on the fenders they're like oh did you put those ones in there too you're like no those no, are the those real are ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i have another question if you uh had 70 80 100 grand to spend and you had to spend it on a new truck a brand new truck on the lot what would it be well it's not enough money so i can't do that all right, oh, well, 150 oh. grand. There we go. Okay. New Dodge Ram 3500 Dually. So that easy, truck easy. Holman is what? Like 110 for no, motor? No, no, it's like a 98. What's that? 98? Yeah. Much rather have a two-tone original paint square body Chevy Dually with the Cummins in it. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. I'm almost debating to put a Cummins in my 79, but I'm just waiting for the repower. So if a Ford with a Cummins is a Fummins? What's a Chevy with a with a Cummins? <laughs> Summons. Is it a Gummins Cummins? because Cummins? it's a no. GM? No, it is. No. Both mine are GMCs. GMC generally made with Cummins. No. Yeah, that's I like that. <laughs> I don't think that works. Gummins. No. You don't like Gummins? No, that's weird. Um. Hmm. So I was building a Fummins. Were you? Yeah. So I have a '91 F350 Crew Cab Dually on 22-inch Alcoas. Nice. With like a 15-inch lift. And I put a 96 front clip on it. So it, it looks like um, a bag of Skittles right now. <laughs> um, but I like I gave it to a buddy because I don't have time to work on my own stuff. I gave it to a buddy, and it sat in his place for six and a half years, and he never touched it. Wow. With a Cummins to be swapped into it, and it, I was just like over it. So I pulled it, took it to another buddy who got it like running back on the road, and now I'm probably just going to sell the 24-valve Cummins, and then I'm over the truck now because it's just been so long. I'm just, ugh. Wouldn't know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, Sorry, uh, Holman. great to see you. Uh, <laughs> good to see you. Uh, well, so out with us. You've got uh, you've got too many clients and no time to take any of our listeners on as new clients. So people and should just they shouldn't call you, right? Yeah. They should just fawn over <laughs> your Instagram, and right? They, they could do that, and then if they do decide that they have to call me. Um, what I want to hear is, I, have I like your style, uh, <laughs> I have money, I want this car, and you can have free range. And also, likewise, on the flip side of that, if he gives you the, it'll take eight to ten months to shave your door handles, he does not like you. <laughs> <laughs> so just take a hint. Just walk away and uh, know you didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a hard call to take. Oh, like, sad. This is going to ruin everything. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Dean Rampage, we uh, bra- <laughs> yep, Sean Ramage, thank you for coming in from Empire Fabrication. That's uh, at Empire underscore Fabrication on uh, the old Instagram. God bless you for driving all the way down here and then sitting in your lower Toyota truck just to do He's a actually Zoom skinnier call. now because he sweated all his uh, water weight out. You know, if you're going to do a podcast, you gotta, at least your first one, you got to get down in the studio. Yeah, it's the do. only way. We appreciate Solid. that, honestly. Solid. Very generous of you and your time. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Right. We'd Thank love you. to uh, have you back. when. Uh, let us know when that Nissan's done. Uh, yeah, just watch the Instagram for the updates. Like I said, we'll be posting the, the pictures once the truck comes in, and then we'll start the teardown of the new one, get the cab set up and on it, and we can start building the suspension on it. I want to see a time lapse. 
<sighs> nope. He doesn't have a new media specialist working for him. No, I just recently, this is the hardest thing I've done is uh, I'm trying to do a post a day. And I've got like three weeks because I was like, I was getting bad. It's just too busy and just uh, like, I can't spell. I mean, I'm a fabricator. I just, I can't spell. So I'll write a post and then I send it to my wife. She spell checks it all for me. <laughs> then she sends it back. So huh. I got to wait for her and I try to yeah, do them at night. Where or, would we uh, I was be like, without the good I women get in the, our life? How did you post that? Like, you should have sent it to me first. There's so many errors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, listen, if you want uh, some eye candy, Empire underscore fabrication on Instagram. Close it out, Sean. Wait, which one? <laughs> which one? Yeah. It's Holman. Close it out. We out. All right. We out. We out. <laughs> Boy, that guy can talk. Dang. Sean's got a lot of stories. And we didn't even cover all of them because- we didn't touch upon TV overhauling all the stuff he's done on. Are you, what? Yeah. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! The guy's on TV. We talk about it. Guys, I seen the suckage meter. You've pinned the needle on this episode. No, Alice, it's fine because we can have him back. That's the whole point. We don't want to have all of our guests tell us everything the first time because then are we you can't saying go back. that that's part of our strategy? Yes, absolutely. If oh. they're if we are nothing if not strategic. In the way we do our podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> go with it. Just go with it. All right. Show's ending. Time to go. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you think of the guests. Let us know what your thoughts are. <laughs> <laughs> truck Show Podcast. Did you mouth like up? The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. I hit the post. Did you hear that? I just, I got it all in there like a machine gun. No. A freaking Machine Gun Kelly. Just, you missed a bunch of stuff. No, I got it. TruckShowPodcast.com. Okay, well, that's one of the things you missed. Uh, all right, here's the deal. If you are if you want to see if uh, this is really how lightning is in real life, follow him at LBC Lightning, and you'll see this is exactly how he is. Yeah, no idea. That's true. true. Follow me at Sean P. Holman. Somehow together we make this thing work, I guess, at Truck Show Podcast. Lightning, what is wrong with you? There's so much wrong with me, Alice. I wish you would change your Instagram handle to Lightning What Is Wrong With You. (laughs) It's too long. I would. No, you should do it, though. It's funny. It is funny. There's uh, there's nothing if you aren't uh, overextended. What happened to the music? I uh, I was tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) We're ending the show with no bed now? Yeah, I just uh, clipped it. I feel like uh, we need to get talk about Nissan, thank them, and get into Dact, and then just wrap it up. I'm tired. (laughs) You're over this show. No, no, just uh, that particular piece of music right there and at that moment. <laughs> you're, you're out. Yeah, I'm just out. Well, but you can't be out yet. Because we got to talk about Nissan. We have to thank Nissan. Yeah, absolutely. For putting up with how horrible we are. No, we're, we're great. We're phenomenal. NissanUSA.com. Go get yourself a new truck. Get yourself a Frontier, a Titan, a Titan XD. Get yourself a Nissan NV van. I mean, get out there. Get well, out there and get yourself a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Yeah, what he Do said. That. Exactly. And then after that, go get yourself a deck storage solution. I got a deck system. We heard. And I put my dignity in it. I mean, it can hold 2,000 pounds, so uh, what are you going to do with the other uh, 1,999 of them? I filled the other uh, part of it with my self-respect. Oh, I thought you were going to say (laughs) self-loathing. There isn't enough room in a deck system for that. Hey, uh, you know what time it is? No, no. What time? Time is for that? me to go on some PTO. So uh, you're welcome. We pre-recorded a couple episodes, and I am out of here. I'm at the Daytona truck meet right now while they're listening. Yes. 
I am without cell service. Holman, where'd you go? Holman? Holman! Holman! <laughs>